And you gentlemen, did you save room for dessert? Hmm. Yeah, what's that? That's our signature dessert, Cherry's Jubilee. Mm, sounds great. <laughs> Bring the young vandal here, Cherry's Jubilee. I'm afraid I can't. The dish contains brandy. Same deal with the bananas, Foster. Yeah, but doesn't the alcohol just burn off? Mm. It's still against the rules, ma'am. Uh, oh. I'll order the Cherry's Jubilee. We can share it. I can't allow that either. Can we say it's his birthday? It's my birthday. Well, happy birthday, young man. Let's get you a slice of cake or some other age-appropriate dessert. Christ on a crutch. What kind of a fascist hash foundry are you running here? Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree, join the discussion at The Rank Podcast on Twitter or X, threads, Instagram, and TikTok on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com or at our email address, uh, therankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. That's patreon.com slash The Rank Podcast. And you can check out clips or full episodes on our YouTube channel, The Rank with John and Zach. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. So, Surfing Bird. Yes, Surfing Bird, the famous song, which I think all of us know and love. Is it the bird, 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 bird is the word? Bird, 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 bird is, in fact, the word. Um, it's by the Trashmen, which, I mean, people probably are like, you didn't know that was by the Trashmen? No, I, I probably knew. It's just, I mean, you Trashmen, like, in your head all day? Like, hmm, Trashmen. I didn't know at all, so. No, yeah, it's the Trashmen. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about Surfing Bird the other night because it, uh, you know, the, the, the song is telling you that bird is the word, Right. Right. Although I don't know if I want to believe it, but sure. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, on what authority is it telling us this? Does it have a compendium of, of words? Does it know? Like, has it taken a survey? How does one determine what is the word? I mean, I don't know. And, I, you know, not to disparage trash men, but I don't know that they are the source for the word. Yeah, they're not an authority on the word. And you know what? I will disparage the trash men. They're sitting here making a, an, outra- an outlandish claim and a claim with uh, no evidence, you know, is is, is no good. And they uh, and, and and an outrageous claim requires you know no no evidence to refute. And uh, I was I was very interested in refuting this, so I was I was researching the topic the other night after uh, thinking of it. And um, I kind of think bird might be the word is the thing. Really? What yeah, I know. I you said, come to that conclusion. Well, I thought about it for a bit, and and they come they they make a compelling case. Their argument, the main thrust of their argument being, bird, 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 bird is the word. Um, with the sort of secondary and tertiary arguments of everybody knows about the bird, everybody's heard that the bird is the word. Um, I mean, that's that's a pretty compelling case to me. I don't really know how you can argue that. Everybody has heard that's, about the bird. That's how Trump wins elections. That's <laughs> true. People are saying that the bird is the word. <laughs> so when you say that his arguments are about as strong as the trash men's argument that bird is the word, I think you're right on that one. And I also like that the whole entire second half of the song is basically them going, 
which isn't words. So bird is no longer the word exactly. It's well, you more... can't say any other words once you establish that bird is the word. Yeah, all language is futile at that point. Right. You may as well not say anything, since uh, the only thing left to say is boom, bow, bow, boom, And um, everybody's heard about the bird, but like, where did they hear about the bird? You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Because this is the first time I'm hearing about the bird, and that <laughs> bird is the word. This is where, like, has this really been going on? And I just wasn't privy to it. Did no one tell me? It feels a little bit like. Monster Mash, every Halloween, somebody points out that Monster Mash is not, this song is not the one that's playing at the Graveyard Smash. It's a different song called Monster Mash or referred to as Monster Mash. And this song that we're listening to right now, Monster Mash, is describing the fact that there is a song which was playing at the Graveyard Bash, but not this song. That's what it reminds me of a little bit, because everybody's heard that the bird is the word, but where? This is the only place I've ever heard it. That's a good point. You know what? My dad <laughs> loves that song. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He, okay. I remember him having me listen to it as a teenager, and then he was like, okay, now wait for it, because he's going to go crazy. And he's like, it's just so much fun. He just goes nuts. And I'm like, this is okay. No, actually, can I agree with your dad like completely there? Actually, because I was I listened to this last night in preparation for this because you know you got to be prepared, and I kind of think yeah, that, like, that's your motto. Yeah, um, <laughs> I kind of think that like the this kind of especially novelty surf rock is kind of the purest distillation of the rock and roll spirit you can get to. This is what I this is the conclusion I came to because. Um, like when you think of rock and that roll, that was his thesis as well. I I kind of figured he's a smart man. I uh, this is what I came to is I think he's known for years, and I just came to it myself. But um, fun, having fun, being kind of silly in like an energetic kind of way, and uh, just sort of banging on your instrument, making noise. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like grabbing your instrument and make some fucking noise. You know what I mean? Listen to some listen to some surf rock songs, and. You'll see that it's like just wow, this is fun, and everybody. I can just imagine people dancing to this, which was kind of the point at first. Um, let me present as my exhibit B a song called Choo Choo Choo, C H U C H U C H U. It's so by the, like a train. No, actually, strangely enough, I don't know what it means because it's by it's a band called like when you the, gnash your teeth together. I don't know because <laughs> it's by a band called the Carnabeats, which is a Japanese surf rock band. Surf rock was big in Japan in the 60s. Um, thank God, because it's the most amazing genre of music I think ever. And uh, for instance, just listen to Choo Choo Choo, and you'll see it's just a fucking blast. And on the cover of the album, they're wearing like, uh, like, what do you call them? Like sumo wrestling diapers. And it's just, it's just nuts. And I fucking love it. And, and I mean, the whole thing's in Japanese. And I'm listening to it right now, so I'm just sort of banging to it, you know? <laughs> and when it gets to the chorus, it goes, mm, choo, 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 So it's like just fucking fun. That's 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 rock and roll in a nutshell. And, you know, and I think that's what the word is. I think bird is the word by which they mean rock and roll. I think you're right. 
I think I've made my argument pretty convincingly. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm convinced. I also think that, um, you know, it's funny. My dad would be like, he whenever I would tell him things that I'm interested, like interested in, like bands or whatever. His, his, he would always be like, whether like how rock they were, like how mm -hmm. much rock and roll they were. Like mm -hmm. I remember with Green Day, he was like, yeah, that's a rock and roll band. Mm -hmm. And then. Well, other one, he's like, yeah, but they're, I can't remember who it was that I mentioned. And he's like, yeah, but it's not really rock and roll. You know? <laughs> like, okay, well, I like other genres, you know? <laughs> he's like, Mozart, not that rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Mozart's kind of rock and roll. Yeah, I think my dad would say that too. As far as those guys go, he's like, Schubert, <laughs> Schubert's not rock and roll. And it's like, I didn't, yeah. want, it. I didn't want him to be rock and roll. That wasn't the point. <laughs> That's okay, though. Or All right, well, I think this is a good segue into uh, the holdovers. So oh, rock, rock why and don't roll. you give us an agenda? Well, on the holdovers episode of The Rank, we like to do uh, some opening banter, which we just talked about with bird being the word, uh, followed by a movie. To this day, still. Yeah, still the it's, word. it's still the word. Well, that's the other thing, is that it doesn't matter where we heard about the bird elsewhere. Bird, everybody has heard the bird is the word from this song. So like they're right. It's just that they're only right, like they're right ahead of time. Right. It's like if I if I it's like if I tell you, you it's will remember the thing I'm about to say. It is. And that's the trash men all over for you. But then we like to get to a movie summary where we summarize the movie. Um, you know what a summary is, I think. And uh followed by some potent notables where we talk about things that we learned about the movie that were fun and interesting. Um, for instance, that bird is the word. Um, followed by the movie overview where we talk about the movie from beginning to end in excruciating detail. Uh, <laughs> spoiler, oh, by the way. Yeah, spoiler. Actually, you know what? You might, this might be kind of not that long after after Holdovers was in the theater, but uh, I don't know. Deal with it. And followed by The Rank, where we rank the movie beginning uh, from, from on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 different categories from, from the, the likes of movie coherence and soundtrack wow you started so strong <laughs> I trailed off there <laughs> i'm still i'm still listening to surfing birds so i think i was distracted <laughs> yeah well thanks for the the agenda so hey, you, you as, got it as you as our listeners know we're ranking the holdovers today the 2023 film starring paul giamatti written by david hemmingson and directed by alexander payne so we're ranking this before the announcements of the Best Picture nominees under the assumption that this will be nominated for Best Picture. So hopefully we're right. Otherwise, it's kind of a waste of time. <laughs> so normally I would say here what categories it was nominated in and what it won, but we won't know. We're, we're just giving you what we think is going to win Best Picture for 2023. Um, so, Zach, did you want to do a summary of this movie? Um, sure. So The Holdovers is about... Um, the teacher named Paul Giamatti who <laughs> works Giamatti. works works at Alexander Payne University uh, for for high school children um, and they have to stay there for the winter because they're all stupid or something and then they him and the one kid in particular get close they because they're uncomfortably so Oh yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah. At the end, they find out that they have more in common than they have in in, in dissimilarness. 
also uh, also there's the 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 maid at the college or whatever she is the cook and she uh, is grieving the death of her son forgot about her even though she's a big part of the movie well i have to say this must make people wish for my summaries um so hey that seemed good to me <laughs> well for putting you on the spot for sure i think it was um now as you know, and as we promised, we're ranking all the nominees for this year and getting them done before the telecast on March 10th. So um, we've so far we've done Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon, and both of them did very well in our rankings. So I'm wondering if the trend will continue of excellent 2023 movies. Um, I guess I shouldn't have said what we've already done because we don't know what's going to be nominated. But whatever. Now you know we did those. So if either of those don't get nominated, uh, you could be like, hey, guys, can you put out that episode for us? I can't imagine that either of those won't get nominated, though. No, oh, yeah, I, I feel like that's those two are pretty much guaranteed. This one, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it's got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, not for lack of quality. It's just not like as, as much of a standout as the others. Yeah, it'll be I will be I really have I feel like this is going to get nominated, but we'll see um anyway let's dive straight into it and we'll start with the potent notables as always potent notables. so typically we start with our box office results but this movie is still in theaters <laughs> so i will give you what it's at currently so yeah it's full box office hasn't been realized yet but as of november 27th 2023 i didn't, I didn't realize <laughs> um the holdovers has made 12.9 million dollars domestically and it has not been released internationally yet um so it's got a grand total of 12.9 million dollars so far uh i do not know what the budget for it was i did not find that information so um sorry sorry it's just usually you're so you have all the information so it's like i don't know what the budget was it made uh between zero and more than that dollars i don't know i also think that once the announcement of its nomination comes out those numbers are probably going to increase most likely mm -hmm. um and uh you know we'll probably end up getting more information about the film around that time too but sorry that i don't have it so Alexander Payne said that he chose to film in Massachusetts for the quote-unquote economic incentives. Yeah. Apparently, Massachusetts was offering a 25% film tax credit, which seems like a lot. Yeah. Focus Features bought worldwide rights for the film for $30 million after screening for buyers at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival in 2022. Okay. I got to screen my film at the Toronto International Film Festival. Right. It's the biggest sale to ever happen at the festival. Alexander Payne's like, cha-ching. Yeah, no kidding. I bet he was feeling pretty good. So David Hemmingson's feature film screenwriting debut is this movie. Oh, well, of course. It's pretty uh, kind of amazing that it's that, like his first, first feature film that he's written, and it's this. Kind of cool. Um, but Hemmingson has written and produced many television show episodes and made for TV movies, but this is his first screenplay that has been made into a film that premiered in theaters. So there you go. These are some really great potent notables, just so you know. 
You can jump in anytime with comments or concerns or anything. Good for um, him. So both Paul Giamatti and Divine Joy Randolph, who you know played the the cook, yeah, are graduates of the prestigious Yale School of Drama, now oh, wow. known as the G David Geffen School of Drama at Yale University. So they're not so, graduates of Martin Academy? They're not. Uh, Giamatti received his MFA there in 1994 and Randolph in 2011. Also, Giamatti's father is Bart Giamatti, who was president of Yale University from 1978 to 1986. So I feel like Paul had a little bit of a leg up on Divine. Possibly. <laughs> Dominic Sessa, who plays uh, Tully, mm -hmm. said that the hardest scene for him to shoot was the ice skating scene. He found it difficult to fall on command since he had formerly been a hockey player. That's kind of funny. Um, I feel like falling on ice is pretty easy, but I, that's why I'm not a hockey player. Um, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that, I guess. <laughs> well, Paul Giamatti's character, Paul Hunnam, Hunman, Hunnam, Hun I can't remember now, um, reveals in an early scene that Barton Academy, the private school where he teaches, was founded in 1797. Uh -huh. So Barton is a fictional academy that is presumably in Western Massachusetts. Uh -huh. Deerfield Academy, from where Dominic Sessa graduated in 2022, is a real private school in Western Massachusetts and was founded in 1797. So that, that dickhead actually goes to fancy private school. Right, exactly. <laughs> Fuck him. Wow, okay. <laughs> So Rich many, of boy. The, <laughs> many of the scenes were, were filmed at Fairhaven High School in Fairhaven, Massachusetts in February 2022 during the school's February break. And at this time, the area received a snowstorm to the delight of the film crew since many of the scenes took place during a snowstorm. So they took full advantage of the weather and the snow you see in the film was an actual snowstorm. How handy. Isn't that neat? So the entire film was shot in real practical locations. No sets or sound stages were used, which I feel like you can tell when you're watching the movie. I feel like that. Did they film uh, in Boston when they go to Boston? Does it say? I did not look that up, but I believe that is the case. I think they filmed because it was filmed entirely in Massachusetts. So, mm -hmm. okay. All right. So I apologize for these uh, potent notables. It's not getting a rise out of Zach, so I'm <laughs> guessing it's not going to get a rise out of many of our listeners. But this is the last one. So I'll end on a silly one here that is just barely a potent notable for this movie. So in an interview that he was doing for the holdovers, Paul Giamatti discussed the A's moving from Oakland to Las Vegas. Oh, he said his father, who was a commissioner of baseball for a short time in the 90s, likely would have handled this A situation differently than the current commissioner, Rob Manfred. Quote, my dad was such a traditionalist that he would always be disturbed by such change like that. It would have made him sad. End quote. I wish Bart Giamatti was still commissioner. Yeah. I think it's messed up that they're moving to Las Vegas. Full offense. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. That's the whole potent notables. And uh, maybe He's the I think these potent notables were held over. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Let's move on to the movie overview. Movie overview. So right from the jump here, we've got uh, an aesthetic he's going for. Very 70s. No, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Just like 
it almost grabs your attention the way that they the way that they just start this movie off right in right in the vein that they wanted yeah i agree and actually i think you're gonna find this funny as we continue but uh, i'll save it um so we're gonna start right off and we got paul giamatti making fun of his students as he's grading papers as philistine philistines philistines mm -hmm. i thought that was kind of funny it was and then uh you know this person shows up with cookies and he's just very like what the fuck are you doing with cookies here um <laughs> why are you even talking to me yeah and i thought it was i was like oh this teacher has a crush on him although we'll find out later that she does not yeah she's just really nice yeah which can be really confusing i think well fortunately i mean he he's he is a little surprised but he's nonplussed by it so i yeah. guess he's he's sort of so used well we'll get into it but he's so used to things not working out that it's not a surprise in a way it was funny too because like you know i i didn't know much about this movie going in but uh i knew that they were held over right that's what i knew and i knew that i and what i thought it was just one kid you know yeah and then the one kid that i thought it was is like i'm going to st kitts and i'm like what <laughs> so who's, who's and then the other one was like i'm i'm staying and i'm like wait this isn't who i remember in the trailers that's the wrong guy <laughs> although it so, was kind of funny banter about the speedo I, yeah actually the uh the like the kids being dickheads to each other you know dialogue was very good and very true to life it felt yeah sort of sad commentary well it's sad it's sad that they're such assholes to each other it, it really was actually it, 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 i kind of wanted more nice like friends and spooky more friend behavior than you know there was like no friend behavior at all i mean there was some nice like sort of parental behavior from tully to like the the young asian kid there mm -hmm. but there wasn't a lot of friend activity Behavior. Yeah, that was kind of depressing, but maybe that's a statement about, you know, Tully and his inability to not act out and yeah. shit on people. But uh, uh, before I forget, um, I meant to mention, though, the, the whole, like, aesthetic filmmaking facet here. It, you know, the entire thing feels like the colors and film grain and everything from the, from the era. Um, I don't know if it continues with that, but at the beginning, at the very least, it does. And I kind of wondered, did you think that that was overdone and stupid? given how you felt about uh, Marty doing similar things era by era in The Aviator. It's funny that you're asking me this, because I, that was what I was alluding to before, mm -hmm. that I thought you would think was funny, because I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really well done in this. So I don't yeah. know what Marty did differently here than, than what Alexander Payne did, but I feel like Alexander Payne did it well, Yeah, and Marty didn't. And I feel weird saying that, but... <laughs> You suck at directing Martin Scorsese, <laughs> but no, um, I agree. Uh, I don't know. It fits the it fits the movie because not yeah. only is it a movie that takes place in the seventies, it's sort of very of that time too, in right? A sense. Um, it like didn't actually add anything to the scenes in the Aviator to feel like they were from the olden days, and they didn't right. actually even feel that much like they were. No, it just was pictured like that, which I yeah. This yeah. one, it like kind of embodied the feeling. Right, of... it builds with the story. It helps the story grow, uh -huh. as, a, as opposed to just being a, like a cutesy thing you're trying to do. You know. Yeah. Um, how old is Alexander Payne? Do you know? He's uh <laughs> <laughs> that old. <laughs> Whoa, he's sixty-two. 
Yeah. But he does. He I did read that he that his whole he loved seventy cinema. That's what got him into movies in the first place. Yeah. And so that's what he wanted to uh, do this as an homage to seventy cinema. That makes sense. So. The seventies was the time of you know film auteurs and new cinema and everything. And I feel like you know Francis Ford Coppola and Martin Scorsese and and and, and many, Tarantino many. too. Yeah. So. Um, well, not he didn't come out in seventy, but he loved yeah. the seventies as well. Yeah. So sort of makes all of his movies in that in that vein. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it, I don't know. Like we'll talk about it, but it seems to work pretty well, including the soundtrack. Everything's sort of matching up and giving you exactly the feeling that he wants to give you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's impressive. Um, so yeah, they're 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 not being nice to each other, um, and Tully is not being nice to everyone, and. I mean, to be fair, they were kind of jumping at him a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. I felt like, um, but I bet he did steal the cigarettes, if I had to guess. They never actually say if he did or not, but I think he pretty, I think he did. Yeah. So now we're going to, we're going to cut over and uh, we're going to find out that, that uh, walleye, they mm -hmm. call him, which is not very nice. No, it is not. Um, it took me a while to figure out. Yeah, what's well, going on there? But it walleye comes salmon because mm -hmm. he smells like a fish and he has a lazy eye, so not very nice. But the, not very nice, but kind of clever. Yeah, I guess. But um, <laughs> so this one guy who was supposed to hold over to be with the kids that have to stay, he goes, "I told him my mother has lupus." <laughs> Does she? I don't know. Yeah, she might. All righty. <laughs> And now we're going to meet the administrator who has decided that Paul is going to stay, right? And he clearly does not enjoy Paul very much. Yeah. And um, that administrator, I don't know the the other the other teachers in this. Mr. Woodruff. Such, yeah, they're such dickheads. They're pompous assholes. Pompous assholes, and although uh, so is he. Well, he I is too, too, but I don't know. Like, I, yeah, you're right, but at the same time, I don't know. He feels. It's it's a different. He's, yeah. You can be misanthropic and everything, um, and like be a jerk. But like, there's speaking of Martin Scorsese, there's a there's a moment in Goodfellas when um, Tommy's mom is telling that story about. It's actually a, sort of a joke, and they use an Italian term, and uh, actually Henry doesn't know what it means, and Tommy says it means he's content to be a jerk. Um, that's kind of that's kind of. Uh, God, yeah, that's that's him to me, and that he knows he's a jerk. He's happy to be a, like whatever. He's fine with it. The other the other guys, I think, think. But that he they're he good. doesn't he doesn't lack empathy. Is the yeah thing. yeah yeah. Whereas yeah, I feel like these other guys sort of lack empathy and pretend. Yeah, in their pomposity, nice. they they think they're more important than everybody right. else. Yeah, so I don't get the impression that Paul thinks he's more important than anybody. Yeah, he sort of knows that he's what he knows what he is. You know. Right. I did enjoy though. So like you know. I enjoyed that this administrator was like, I asked you to give him a C plus or whatever, you know, this mm -hmm. Jordan kid. And Paul was like, that boy's too dumb to pour piss out of a boot. <laughs> I was like, that's an interesting analogy. He, ha he has a way of saying things. And by which I mean, oh. the writer has a way of writing things, but he has a particular way. He gives this character some dialogue. That's just like, okay. <laughs> and I loved it. I absolutely loved the way they, portrayed him because it's it's so it it makes it so clear that he's had his head in antiquity books mm -hmm. for decades 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And he's just made the vernacular of antiquity his vernacular. Yeah, it's it actually it kind of works really really well. It really does. Anyway, so you know, of course, the administrator is like, God damn, like why, Paul? You know. <laughs> now we're gonna cut back to the kids, and they're like waiting for Paul to come to the class, and they're like, What do you think he's doing? Probably jerking off into the Cobb salad. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but all right. All right, and then the other kid's like, "Why would you choose the cobs? I eat the cob salad." Yeah, and then he's like, "Something." Yeah, and the the kid's like, "I don't know," and he's like, "Well, but you chose cob salad. It's the one that you went with. <laughs> you went right to it. You must know something." And it's I don't know. It's a neat look at this kid's. I don't know. The kids' interactions are really fun and genuine. Yeah, I know. I liked it too. Um, and then he starts handing back all the quizzes or the tests, I guess. And I'm like, man, he seems like a difficult grader. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Jesus! <laughs> but Tully got a B plus. That was the highest grade. Which, if like you grade on a curve at all, that's like basically perfect. Especially when somebody else got an F plus. F plus <laughs> is F plus a grade? I don't so think so. I, I really enjoyed that. I think he gave it to him just to like be a dickhead. Like, all right, you get an F plus. It's still just an F. It doesn't make any difference. But I just don't like you. So. <laughs> So now Tully, like, he's like, okay, we can do a makeup test, right? Um, but it's going to be on new material. It's going to be on this next chapter. Mm-hmm. And then Tully's like, I don't think we should be starting a new chapter, right? And mm-hmm. gives this whole speech. And so then <laughs> Paul's like, why? Well, I'd hate to be absurd. So I guess we'll just <laughs> let the test stand. <laughs> yeah, then he just leaves. He's like, all right, goodbye. You, you want to leave so much. Class is over. Yep. And he's, but he's like, but I still expect you to know this. Yeah. <laughs> when you come back, I was like, wow, he just got Tully into some trouble. Yep. And he says, even thank your savior or whatever he says. Tully. Yeah. Thank your savior, Tully. And the rest of the kids all like immediately turn and look at him. And it's like, eh, no. that's a good it's way kinda... to give a kid a beating. I know. But like at the same time, Tully, you know, it's a different, I don't know. There's ways to go about it. And Tully doesn't always go about, go about things the right way. That's all right, though. Well, you know, <laughs> I saw his point here. Tully was like, why, you know, most people just cancel the class. I mean, like we're about to go on vacation. Like, why would we start something new right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of see it, but I did enjoy that. Tully was like, I mean, I got us out early, right? <laughs> Technically speaking, I did what I wanted, what I had <laughs> set out to do. So now we're going to see, uh, they're going to show all these alumnus, right. Uh-huh. Of Barton. And then one of them is, um curtis curtis lamb i think was his name and you know he's dead one year after graduating which is just insanely sad well that's four for you i i will say though as we went into the chapel here i was really enjoying the aesthetic and like the look of the school yeah it was it was sort of nice to look at i suppose and very much along like it very much accomplishes what he's trying to do so that's this could not work and it would be like really stupid, but it works perfectly. So it's not right. Exactly. I, I mean, that's, that's like a the stupidest analysis ever. So it's, it's a weird way to say it, but it work. It like kind of works perfectly. So, so now we're going to find out that Tully is not going to go to St. Kitts. Yeah. Right. Gets a call from his mom and she's like, I'm sorry. We just haven't had a honeymoon yet. And he's like, you've had mm-hmm. six months to have a honeymoon. She's like, well, mm-hmm. he's just been busy, you know, and we want to have this time together ourselves. And I'm like, this woman is fucking terrible. 
yeah it's another it's another like fun way to you can sort of see why tully is the way he is and it doesn't necessarily excuse a lot of his behavioral issues but i mean i can see it you know you don't you don't get to go on our vacation because we don't want you to essentially yeah no kidding imagine feeling that just unwanted. one christmas like yeah okay it's fucking christmas you know oh yeah that's the other thing it's not even just a vacation it's christmas you don't get to come with us on our christmas you know vacation because uh, my new husband doesn't want you to essentially yeah exactly like they can have a honeymoon and he's still there like i know that like you know whatever but were his behavioral issues really all that bad uh, i mean later um when he's frustrated with the fact that they can't leave and he does you know he steals several things um yeah i guess he does do that uh, i got anyway. i got the impression he was like you know he's just sort of consistently not super well behaved maybe not like he's not like juvenile detention level quite yet but at the same time he's 17 and i sort of was like you know he should be kind of like like in a in a year a lot of this stuff is not going to play out the same way you know right so uh, maybe that's just me well you know i feel like i was much worse than him so it makes me feel kind of <laughs> is that is that why you're saying his behavioral is he that bad yeah <laughs> and i'm like he's a he's a juvenile delinquent he should be killed right now <laughs> wow he should be killed um i don't put up with that Zach, don't play. So now, like Paul is like uh, he's talking to the holdovers, and then Tully shows up, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" But Paul is just like so gleeful about messing with these kids. Yeah. <laughs> so like the the captain of the football team is there. I don't know if he's the captain, but he's clearly like a popular jock guy. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, he's they're like, "What you know? How come you're held over?" And he's like, my, my father said I couldn't come home for Christmas unless I cut my hair. And they're like, mm -hmm. why don't you just cut your hair? He's like, civil disobedience. I actually thought that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And actually, I like this character a lot. Me um, too. I I really enjoyed him. He could so easily just be like a dickhead, shitty character. But he's like interesting and fun. Yeah. So I he's actually like really nice. He's nice. It's so weird because his father is apparently rich enough. But we'll like we'll get we'll see that yeah. how rich your father is, and he's on the football team, whatever. He's uh, presumably popular, but like he's nice, and he invites all the kids to come on vacation with him. I know, and he gets along too much with the other dickhead kid who's like always fighting with Tully Koontz. Yeah, yeah, but um, it's just fun how they made him a nice character. Like I don't know, he's actually a good, good, good. It just goes to show you that like people you'd think would be shitty can sometimes be good people strangely <laughs> yeah exactly well i think that's kind of the point of this movie mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely i mean yeah I've, they I've tend to turn into shitty adults but when they're kids if you just give them some love they might mm -hmm. not yeah um give them a chance to you know correct themselves yeah before um, they before they wreck themselves and so this next scene really cracked me up in the theater that they sold back the Christmas tree. Oh, I know. <laughs> Jesus oh, no, Christ. It's just hilarious. Like, how cheap can you be? You know? And, like, I feel like this school is not underfunded. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, exactly. But Jesus Christ, you can't even have a Christmas tree. All right, fine, whatever. So now we're going to get um, some conversation here with the cook. Paul's going to, like, come down and talk to her. And I don't re remember exactly what was said, but I do remember what she said. Rich and dumb, popular combination around here, mm -hmm. which I thought was cute. 
Um, and he's going to ask for the, you know, for the alcohol. And she's like, no, this is a necessity. And he's mm-hmm. like, I completely agree. Yeah. We will, we will find out. Yeah. Yeah. So now we get Tully, who's being kind of a dick. I get that this kid took his picture, mm-hmm. you know, and what the kid does to his picture is awful, by the way. Oh, it is. Um, now, the kid doesn't no, know the whole story here. So he probably doesn't realize how much of a dick he's being, but mm-hmm. at the same time, still pretty fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm I'm saying all this because Polly here is just like you're an unwanted piece of garbage. Like your parents don't love you. Blah blah. Like he just is like laying it on Koontz here. Yeah, which I which I get, but like, oh, it's kind of brutal. It's a bit much. Yeah, I was like, geez, man, can you just? Like hit the brakes a little bit. Um, so then they start fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I think this is so. And Paul's going to show up, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is the first time we really see his lazy eye, like it's really pronounced here. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know, somebody needs to tell me what what happened here. Blah blah blah. And he's like, for every minute that you don't tell me, it's a detention, right? Mm-hmm. Oh right, yeah. We started this. And Tully goes, and I thought all the Nazis were hiding in Argentina, which I thought yeah. was kind of funny. It's kind of funny, but, you know, <laughs> I'd be like, hey, some of them are in Brazil. <laughs> but then, like, Paul here just does this incredible description of what the detention is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Just oh, yeah, very back, vivid. Back to his way with words. It's kind of like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> And he eventually gets the Mormon kid. This yeah. Is like, no, this is, I can't handle it. So he says, so the kid says it's Koontz. And then we cut to dinner and he's not letting Koontz eat. That seems like that's not. Kind of, that's kind of like a lot that. as far as like um, punishments go, you know, like, you know, like I feel like he at least get to eat. But then again, I don't know. I feel like they used to punish kids very harshly back in the day. They did. But this, I just, I don't like food punishments. It really sets people up for some some issues later in life yeah exactly anyway also did Koontz really start it you know, you know actually, i, I get point. that he's he stole the picture but we don't know that he's he just this the it's an accusation at this point and basically mm-hmm. tully just goes over and starts to fight him you yeah. know yeah so i think the fight was really started by tully in my opinion yeah i think that's probably fair this is at this I, I mean this has been going on between them for long enough it's like who even knows who did what this at this point you know yeah Exactly. Now, Koontz, we so now we cut to another dinner where Koontz is eating, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul is going to offer Mary a seat. Like, you mm-hmm. can sit with us if you'd like to eat with us. And then she looks, like, straight at Koontz and is like, nah. I'm like, okay, so she does not like that kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but then Koontz goes, you know... I get that she's grieving about her son, but like, can't you just do your job well? Like, that's what you're paid to do. I was like, oh, it's, it's like such a teenager remark, you know? It's, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, but I can see a teenager saying that, you know, because you don't understand the the full weight of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, well, like, just the idea that he treats like, you know, people serving him that way. Is yeah. it great? And like at this point in the movie, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I don't like any of these kids. Like, fuck them all. And I was like, I hope this movie isn't like all of them just being dickheads. I hope they get nice at some point. Yeah, I I hear you. I don't know that they will though. 
So now Paul's going to go to the, the, I guess, the basement or something mm -hmm. where Mary's watching the newlywed game. And he's yeah. like, what's this? I've never seen it. She's like, you don't know the fucking newlywed game? <laughs> <laughs> Weirdo. Yeah. Um, and I actually was like, Paul seems to really like the cook. There's a, So there was a couple moments in here where I genuinely thought there was an attraction going on be, with Paul and the cook and also with the that woman that brings him cookies in the beginning and mm -hmm. Paul. And just it wasn't either no, time. Yeah. yeah. it's It was just a friendship both, both times. And it's like, it's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, did you get the feeling like there was... I don't yeah, like action. Okay, absolutely. It was you know at first they obviously like set up the the um, secretary or whatever she is. Right, that one makes more sense because they like purposely kind of put it out there that way. Yeah, you know. But then, but then this time I was definitely like, are they setting up these two? Like, and I was I was skeptical, but I was like, this could be interesting if they do to go that. I direction. thought it would be kind of fun if they did that. You yeah. know, but at the same I, time, we'll talk about it. But I think it's better that. I think the direction they did go in is very good. Yeah, I think sometimes you just don't need to have a romantic interest in in a movie. Exactly. Um, so I I like that they didn't do that. But if there is like a an alternate universe where these two ended up having a relationship, I think that would have been kind of fun to explore too. Yeah, it it, it it's it's kind of a good thing in a story when you have multiple directions that you could go in, and they would all be at least interesting. It shows that you're kind of on the right track, if nothing else. Although making the decision might be a little like, oh, what do I do? Well, it also shows that you're good at character building. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because yeah, these these are very like very true people. of Alexander Payne. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's character work is like his entire freaking milieu. Is that a word? Yeah. Um, you know that milieu is a word. I just don't know if you're using <laughs> the right sentence here, but I think you're right. So yeah. Um, yeah, and I like this little interaction between them watching the Newlywood game, and I think I think she insults him a couple of times, but he's okay with it. I can't quite remember. <laughs> and then like the Newlywood game is just a silly game, a silly game show, and just it also reminds me of the olden days when you had to watch what was on TV. You know, there's like yeah. three channels, so that's what they're watching. Yeah, the Newlywood game looks looks like it would have been fun. Also, it looks kind of from what I've seen, like the clips I've seen and stuff, it seems like it's kind of daring for that era of television. It kind of is. They uh, ask. They talk about sex a lot. Yeah, and they always call it making whoopee, which is mm. like whatever. But I mean, you have to use the euphemism you have to use. But I love that they were able to get that past the censors or whatever. I know. It's like okay. Oh, by the way, the I I did want to say I I, I kind of glossed over this, but I liked that Paul got so angry with Koontz in that mm -hmm. scene. And I really empathized with his anger. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of spot on. Anyway, so she says, how are the boys to him? And he goes, broken in body and spirit. <laughs> True. And also, again, with the just he's, he's so pithy in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I love the way he uses uh, language. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of surprising. Like, I guess he I feel like he could have friends and everything because, like, he's not unpersonable. Right. Well, he stinks. That he makes stinks. Yeah, make that, that. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but like he says clever things and he says fun things and he's not like at a loss for words when he's around people. It's just right. I don't know if there's not an interest or just such a he's so stuck in a routine that he's you know I don't have friends. I go home and I do whatever I do. You know, right, right. 
So they're having this whole conversation here, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I, the conversations they have in this movie are just excellent. You know, mm -hmm. there's just, I guess we'll, I'm early on with the rank here, but I think you're gonna, you'll, you'll know that this, it's gonna get a good score for dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, he's like, you know, they've had it easy their whole lives, basically. Like, they, I don't need to go easy on them. They've had it easy their whole lives. And she's like, you don't know that, do mm -hmm. you? Yeah, and he sort of he sort of has to think about it. Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, like I guess I don't really know that. I'm just making a blanket statement. I liked it. Yeah, and is this? Did she? Did she specifically ask at this point? I oh, no, remember. she said. She said, "You don't know that, did you? Did you? Like, did you exactly. have easy because you were at this school too?" Yeah, and he sort of has to think about it. Like, huh? And also, like, um, unspoken, she's like, "You know, my son also went here. Would you assume that he had an easy life?" Right. Exactly. Um. And, you know, it just, I like, she makes a good point and he's somewhat receptive to it. It actually makes him think. So it's not just like, yeah, no, I, like that's that, dumb. I like that he, he lets information in. It's, it's a good character trait. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she tells how like both her husband and her son didn't make it to 25. That her yep. son didn't even make it to 20. And yeah. I'm like, well, that's just really sad. Yeah. And then she talks about how her son didn't like him. Because he said, oh, your son <laughs> yeah. was great. He was very sharp. And yeah. really took to the school. He's like, well, she didn't like you. Or he didn't <laughs> like you. Uh, he said you were an asshole. And he's like, like I said, sharp kid, insightful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was an affable way for him to respond. Absolutely. I mean, I also get it. I mean, I, I feel like she was trying to see if he would stay there mm -hmm. after she said that. And he was just kind of like, you know. Yeah, I guess I'd probably come off that way. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and then she acknowledges that she heard him yelling at Koontz. So mm -hmm. I think I feel like she uh she must have liked that, right? I I yeah, I would think so. Um at least he's standing up for her to some extent. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I, who knows, right? You never know how people feel about things. She might just be like, I don't need you to stand up for me type thing. That's true. Or you don't know my life. My life hasn't been that hard other than this. Or so, you know, it could be, you can take offense to things sometimes. I know that, um, especially for minorities, when you just sort of make a blanket assumption about how hard their life is. Yeah. That can be, it's kind of like a microaggression, you know? Yeah. It absolutely so, can be like, yeah, I know you must have had it hard, you black person. They're like, right. Uh, <laughs> I really like you talking about this either way. So, <laughs> exactly. So now, so now we're going to cut to the morning. He's going to make him exercise, and he's just standing there smoking a pipe, mm -hmm. yelling, <laughs> yelling, speed, like, gentlemen, speed, yeah, and telling them to exercise, <laughs> speed, speed, and he starts coughing. You know, like, <laughs> we get we get another example of his athleticism in a little bit with the yeah. football he throws. So it's like, oh, okay. I know. Uh, I get, I get, he's older, but Jesus, and I can just imagine the kids being like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Because like, I feel like I've had gym teachers who were actually in decent shape, and like, I was still resentful that they weren't running along with us or something. You know? Right? Exactly. I mean, but that would mean they'd have to do it all day. Every That's day. true. That's true. <laughs> well, in this case, this is the one he's just insisting they go outside right. in the fucking cold and running, <laughs> while he's all warm and bundled, smoking his little pipe. Well, now we're going to show the kids sort of off on their own, right? And then, uh, and and then all it this this part felt weird to me. Mm -hmm. 
because it seems like they're all sort of getting along, and then all of a sudden Koontz turns around, grabs the kids, the Mormon kids' mitten, and mm. throws it. This is this is for snitching on me. But it he did he didn't actually seem angry. I don't know. It just felt like a weird situation. Mm -hmm. No, it did. Um, I felt bad for the kid. I actually, I, I I liked. I feel like Alexander Payne does this so well. Lots of other directors to do too. But we just like linger on the the shot of after the kid, the kid can't find his mitten. So he's like, well, fuck this. And he wants to get rid of the other mitten. After Tully points out, he took one mitten just to make it hurt worse when you look down at the one you still have. Right, exactly. Which I is thought great, that was a good line. Which is great insight by both you know the movie and Tully, actually. And then we get the kid, he, he goes over and throws the other mitten angrily into the lake or whatever, and we get just the mournful shot of the mitten floating away. Yeah, It's a lovely representative look at, like, you know, just, I think we've all had that feeling. Yeah. And so now we're going to sort of cut to the night, right? They're sleeping and, mm -hmm. um, and the Asian kid is crying. Yeah. And, and he's, he's wet the bed. So he's had a nightmare and he's wet the bed, which like, geez, poor kid, you know? Um, and Tully's actually really nice to him. Yeah. I love Tully here. It was like, actually endeared me to his character. Whereas up to this point, I was like, I get it, but you know, it's, I'm not sure I'm really in love with him as a character, but this this absolutely worked. And yeah, this this I think this is meant to bring you on a side to show that he has yeah. the ability to show compassion, right? And, and it's, um, it's an act of kindness he does that doesn't actually get him anything. It's just it's it's nice and un you know he it would have been easy to not be nice here, but he was right. Like he could have just been like shut up or mm -hmm. like go and get uh, walleye, you know, Paul mm -hmm. just. He pissed the bed. Mm -hmm. It would it would have been very easy to just be. I don't fucking need to deal with this. But he was he was kind, and listen to the kid. You know, being homesick and everything too. So yeah, yeah. And I, there was a line that I thought was funny with Tully. You know, he says to tell he tells him to stop crying because he, he says if they hear you if they hear you crying they'll crucify you, mm -hmm. which would be ironic because you're you're uh, Hindu Buddhist. or yeah. Buddhist, yeah, Buddhist. <laughs> Thought that was funny, and then, and then he turns over after the kids falling back to sleep, and he goes, "Fucking asparagus!" Kind of a funny callback. Yeah, nice little. Uh, it's cool because it's what I liked about it too is that they actually showed them eating asparagus. Yeah, it wasn't just like a line that like, "Oh, haha, he's eating asparagus. He must have eaten asparagus." Like he did eat asparagus, and we know he did, and that's funny. Yeah, and it's uh I actually noticed back during the dinner scene, I was like, Oh, I don't like asparagus. I actually thought really? I love something. asparagus. Oh, okay. I, I also love the way it makes my pee smell. Oh, I like well. genuinely after I've had asparagus, I look forward to the pee. Okay, so you're just sitting there wafting the pee up at you. Like, well, I don't waft it, but I'm just like it's sort of satisfying. I don't know. It's sort of satisfying. satisfying. <laughs> okay. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you waft it. So <laughs> mm. I'm trying, to, I, I'm trying to do the sound of wafting. I don't know why. We don't need to do that. So Waft, Wafting kind of specifically does not have a sound when you think about it. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're like, wait, wait. Yeah, this is radio, essentially. You can't hear the wafting. But you, what you can do is go. <laughs> Delightful. Well, so this, uh, the, the, the nice kid, the one that we liked. Um, oh, yeah. Um, whatever his name is. Civil disobedience. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. Exactly. Well, his dad's gonna show up, and I love that he's like, he's like, ha, ah, the old softy. I knew yeah. come around. That's cute. 
it was cute and it kind of made me like the relationship between the son and the dad a little bit like right because his dad clearly like loves his son and the son knows it yeah and it's nice earlier when he's like oh you won't let me go with that unless i cut my hair and i don't know whoever he's talking to is like oh man and and he goes no he's like he's all right just you know yeah well, it's, it's the battle of wills and it's like i kind of like this <laughs> i know it's it's very self-aware i would say that the only and we'll get to this the only issue i sort of had is that i don't know that these teens would have so much self-awareness yeah so. that's true so he's going to invite everybody else on the field trip. And of course they need to get the parents permission. And Tully is the only person whose parents couldn't be reached, mm -hmm. which is like, like double sad. I mean, like, fuck you, you guys, like, really? You can't no, just pick up the goddamn phone. Absolutely. It's, I mean, I was sad enough for him earlier. Right. Right. Um, when he couldn't go on the vacation. And then this is just like, they, they can't even get the parent and like it's not like like what if something had happened to him yeah exactly and it's not even like oh there was some sort of emergency or something just the hotel doesn't know where they are they're on an excursion or something so it's like okay well they cared so little that they left didn't even inform anybody when they'd be back oh if, if my son calls tell them i'll be you know nothing yeah it's just the absolute like definition of being forgotten and in it's some ways disgusting. being forgotten yeah, in some ways, being forgotten as a kid is like actually a little bit worse in some ways than the just being than treated being bad. punished. Yeah, yeah, it's uh like it's abandoned. Uh, it's abandonment. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know our dog was acting out for a while <laughs> a few years ago, like acting out, chewing everything, just being being a jerk. And the and the vet's like, oh, he, he just wants your <laughs> he wants your attention, and negative attention is better than no attention. So he does yeah. something bad. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not trying to sit there and say that kids are dogs. They are, but um, <laughs> they are. <laughs> it's the same part of you. It's the same part of your brain that just yearns for love, you know? Right. Yeah, I get it. I, I agree. Um, but so, so now, like, Koontz is leaving because everybody else gets to leave except Tully. How and, painful would that be seeing them all yeah. going? Not only seeing them all going, it's not even just that they're going home. They're going on a fucking like awesome ski trip with the rich kid and his dad on a helicopter. Right. That would that would fucking tear me apart. Just being yeah. left out of that. Like such a fun potentially time. And just ugh, nothing. And you're stuck there with fucking walleye. Huh? Yeah. Alone. And Koontz is gonna be like, Oh, I found your picture, by the way. And he wrote fuckwad on it. Yep. Like, what an asshole. I get that they've got like a, you know, they're sort of sparring here, you know, mm -hmm. man, that's messed up. Such it, it's insult to injury to a further insult and further injury. It's just, ugh. and now we're going to go back to, uh, you know, Paul hanging out with Mary and mm -hmm. she which like is... makes mention of him smelling, which I had thought like people were saying as, you know, just like, An insult? Say things. yeah. Not like he actually smelled, but I'm like, oh, I guess he actually smells. That's kind of mm -hmm. sad. It is. This and then, is just this continues to be a delightful interact, you know, a uh, dynamic between the two of them. Just yeah, him going down and them just chatting and being people together. Yeah, and and Tully's there too. Actually, he's sitting mm -hmm. in the back. And oh then, right, uh, yeah, forgot about that. And then so, uh, Paul here is like, oh, I started a monograph in college, but I never finished it. 
Mm-hmm. And then he explains what a monograph is. And she's like, I, like know I, what a monograph I know what a monograph is. is. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know what a monograph was. So it's not even explained it. I've, I've heard pretentious, pretentious characters on shows mention a monograph and I just sort of put it together by context. I mean, is it basically a, a, like a nonfiction novella, basically? Uh, I think so. Um, it's, to my knowledge, it's like, just like a little longer than a magazine article or something. Sort of maybe, maybe a journal article, like a long journal kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's well, whatever. And I liked that Tully was like, why don't you write a book? And he's like, I don't think I have a book in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Mary's like, you can't even dream a whole dream, can you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful line. I loved that. Just fantastic in, in, in its um, accuracy and how just nailing this guy's mindset and psyche, you know? Yeah. I will say, though, she seemed a little bit more aggressive with him this night. Yeah. It would, it would um, seemed a little bit odd, like odd considering their, their previous encounters. But maybe she was annoyed that he explained what a monograph was. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> And so um, Tully is going to get out for the evening. This evening, mm-hmm. he's going to explore the school. <laughs> this cracked me up. He starts drinking wine from the grail. From the Oh, from yeah. The- <laughs> <laughs> what, would, what would you do if you were a 17-year-old and you were alone in this fucking religious school? You know, I'd probably go drink the wine, too. <laughs> I thought it was pretty excellent. Actually, he did a lot of stuff I would do, just walking around. Like, Yeah, that's what I I probably would have been way worse. So the yeah. school should consider themselves lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could just flat out destroy things, which he kind of does in a minute, but not totally. Well, he destroys himself later, but... Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> save it to get there, but Jesus. what a... We'll save it. Yeah, we'll get there because he's exploring the whole campus here, and uh, and then like you know he ends up in the chapel, and then Mary comes into the chapel, and it's like clearly morning time. Like, was he up all night? Yeah, he was apparently up all night, and he decided to spend this this moment of the all night in the chapel, kind of staring at shit. Yeah, I just I don't know. To me, it, it seems like kind of a lot. I mean, I'm sure a teenager would do this, but all I kept thinking is walleye is going to make you do stuff the next day. Yeah, you're going to be up for 24, you know, plus hours here. Yeah, that's not a great idea. Easily, because um, you know, he's not going to let you go back to bed. So, so now, uh, you know, Paul, I can't even remember what is Paul angry at Tully for at this moment because Tully basically, I think he just says something like, "I don't want to f- be fucking stuck here with you." Mm-hmm. Maybe just I, that he didn't want to be stuck there with them either. I can't remember what happened, but he's, you know, he's like, Tully starts to run away, and he mm-hmm. chases. Which, by the way, this is a full five chase scene. Oh, <laughs> chasing fights, perfect. Yeah, can't get any better. Um, I mean, Tully, Tully does a random cartwheel. He does a random cartwheel. He's just ripping things off the off the walls. Like, ah, hey, yeah. this poster is now on the floor. And uh, <laughs> and man, is does Walleye have a hard time keeping up? <laughs> I, I know. He has not then, kept up with his fitness. He doesn't. He's not outside going speed to himself. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, they're not supposed to be in the gym because it's getting lacquered. And he goes, I'm going to the gym anyway. And he runs, jumps, flips over the, I can't remember what you call that thing. It's a a horse. Horse. That's what I thought. Flips over the horse. And then all of a sudden you're, ah, you know, (laughs) 
So, um, first, I just want to hit a couple of points here. One, this reminds me of someone I, uh, that I know when they were younger. Um, I won't say who. Um, just, you know, if you said to them, do not run away, they would fucking run away. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a, you know, like a dog kind of thing. Don't you run, dog, and the dog just takes off, ripping things off the wall, going exactly into the place where they're not supposed to be. And not only that, did you notice that Tully stopped? He could have just run in the gym and been like, I'm in the gym, I'm in the gym. He stopped, waited for Paul to catch up to him. Yeah. And, and then Paul and, said, don't go in there. Yep. I wash my hands of you. You know? uh-huh. Uh-huh. He gave him a chance to say all that. And he was like, I'm going in the gym. <laughs> like that. Um, that sort what does of, it remind you of? You, I feel like you're, it's like, what it's, do you think? It's, it's, it's you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely. You, there's nothing you can say to me. It's going to make me stop doing this. You can threaten me with I don't, anything on earth and I'm just going to do it. And how comically is this? It kind of makes you think that he could make a, a funny movie. If you wanted to make a funny movie, how, how perfect the timing and, and setup of this scene is. Him running into the gym. Perfectly still shot of him running away from us. Jumping on the damn, whatever you call the bouncy thing in the gymnastics, which is like really loud. You notice? Yeah. yeah. Boing, and flipping, landing, and like you said, perfect comedic beat. Ah! <laughs> Because, like, we don't know um, how he landed. We don't see him. He just lands, scream, and then Paul Giamatti's brilliant face going, oh, Oh my God. (laughs) So beautiful. I mean, it's like I felt bad for laughing at the kid for clearly. And then they show his shoulder being all fucked up. Oh, God, the shoulder looked fucking nasty. So I'm like, I shouldn't be laughing, but that was filmed really funny. (laughs) And then he's like, he's like, I love that, you know, he's taking him to the hospital and the kid's like, it's this is your fault, you know. You're <laughs> yes. supposed to be watching me, and he's it's, like, "It's not my fault." And he's like, "You said I wash my hands of you," and he's like, "I meant it metaphorically." And he goes, "Of course you meant it metaphorically. Were you literally gonna wash your hands?" <laughs> it's, it's it's a kind of clever line. I kind of wonder if, like you said, if a seventeen year old would come up with right, pain, but it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then we see the gross looking shoulder, but we have this whole conversation, you know. And then the kid ends up lying for Paul for Paul's sake. Tully lies, mm-hmm. like, you know, this is my dad, and my mom's not gonna let me see him if if he, you know, got me injured or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of nice. It was it was the first moment between them where it's like, huh, maybe we're like, oh, you know, it's another moment of Tully doing something nice when he didn't have to, um, right? To someone he had no particular reason to be nice to except that he was being nice. And um, you can sort of see that on Paul's face, like, wait a second, you're lying for me here? It's yeah, surprising. exactly. Although then and, he sort of chastises him, like, Barton may yeah. lie, and like, shut up, Paul, you know? Yeah, I think he feels like he's supposed to. Um, yeah. Thank you, but don't lie again. No, no, but thanks. Um, and also, I liked how Tully pulled from his own life here, because the lie he immediately went to was, this is my dad, and my mom won't let me see him if yeah. this continues. Which is exactly which we don't we don't know this at this point. We think we his dad's dead. Yeah, because he says his dad's dead. So we don't right. know. But later, it just ends up being, well, he just pulled that exactly out of his own experience and what he's feeling so sad about right now. Right. Um, and I have to say, Paul Giamatti, him, I could watch Paul Giamatti reacting to things. <laughs> just him. <laughs> Two and a half hours of Paul Giamatti reacting. He's like, I mean, it's kind of ah. like you mentioned his reaction to when the kid goes, ah, right? Yeah. I mean, it was an amazing face. And then the reaction he gives to him getting his shoulder relocated. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 
Exactly. Have you ever dislocated anything like that? Have I? No. Yeah. I, I, I hyperextended my elbow once, and uh, oh, that, that hurt. That doesn't sound fun either. I, I guess. I don't know. I've heard that the dislocating and the putting back in hurts, but it's not so painful in between. Um, he looked like he was pain, in pain in between, so maybe I heard that wrong. I've never broken anything or dislocated anything. It doesn't look fun. And then the popping back in is just so disgusting. I know. So now they're going to meet uh, the the girl, the woman who gave Paul cookies in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, she's like, oh, I know you. And then Tully's like, yeah, we met when I was falsely accused or wrongly accused of blowing up a toilet. And then she goes, <laughs> I didn't know about the wrongly part, which I thought was really cute. That is cute. <laughs> so they're, oh, they're at a restaurant because she's waitressing. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he's like, Tully's like, wow, you guys have chemistry or whatever. <laughs> Listen, you hormonal vulgarian. <laughs> just, just example after example of the fun way he phrases things. It's not even just like clever and good. It's just, it's, it's idiosyncratic too. Yeah, like, exactly. It's this. This very much becomes his character. You, this isn't just something any cl- clever character would say. He says things, and you're like, "Okay, this is how you talk," and I love it. Uh, Paul, <laughs> I am I here for it. Yep. Paul Hunnam. Paul Hunnam. That's that definitely at Hunnam. Not that. Not that I doubted you. That was it. Just, <laughs> and I, I remembered that being it at that moment. I was like, "Aha, yes." So you know, we're seeing a lot more of the eye again. Mm-hmm. You know? And I actually just do an interview with Paul Giamatti. And they asked him about the eye, like, how did they do that? And he said he was sworn to secrecy about how they did the eye stuff. Mm-hmm. So I still don't know. But I just was like, why? <laughs> why are you sworn to secrecy? Can't give away your eye special effects secrets? That's kind of random. Yeah. Right? I was like, okay. I, I genuinely am interested now. So I can't remember. Oh, so Tully leaves, right? And he, he wants to, he goes to the bathroom or whatever. And then he's going to try to play uh, some pinball. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like, I put the dime here. It's my turn next. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, again, stupid teenager, right? Yeah. Like, these are adult men. They, yeah. they will wreck you. Mm-hmm. Why are you? Why are you? Why are you stepping to you know guys in their twenties and you're a teenager? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least they look like guys in their forties, which is yeah. even worse because they've had years of, ex- of experience, and it doesn't look like they've had they've been you know sitting in an office this whole time. Yeah, they're what I would call roughnecks. <laughs> yeah, Rico's roughnecks. Rico's roughnecks. That's them. <laughs> that's uh, they're, they're they're the original. They're the OG roughnecks. They're Ratchex roughnecks. Ratchex. Mm. But anyway, so he comes back and he's like, "Can we go? Uh, we need to go." And they show up, you know, and they're angry. And <laughs> Paul, I don't doubt he did something to offend. It's his specialty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then Paul is like, you know, in his way, he's offering to buy alcohol for them right and they just mm-hmm. look at him like what the fuck did you just say and then the, the waitress <laughs> you know translates like, basically yeah he's offering to buy you a beer and they're like, and they're like oh, oh, no. why didn't you just say so okay <laughs> but this movie is really talking a lot about rich entitlement mm-hmm. so now we're going to find out that uh that what's his face tully sees a, a shrink right mm-hmm. and you know so because because they're having this conversation where He's like, you really stink, especially late at night. Do you mind if I open a window? Mm-hmm. It's like, you can say something mean to me now, right? And mm-hmm. then he talks about Dr. Gertler, gives him this advice or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. and then Paul goes, has Dr. Gertler ever tried a good swift kick in the ass? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was fun. 
we're gonna we're heading back to the school, right? They end up back at the school, and uh, Mary's like, "Where were you for dinner?" Blah blah blah, because they're having breakfast now, and he's like, "Oh, we had dinner at a restaurant," mm-hmm. and um, the janitor shows up, and he's like, "There's vomit in the gym." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And both of them are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And yeah. then he just leaves the mop and bucket. Yep. He's like, well, you don't need to tell me, but here it is. So whichever <laughs> you did it. it. Yep. <laughs> I really enjoyed that quite a bit. And the, she, she, Mary is excellent in this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it makes sense that her and Paul both went to the Yale School of Acting or whatever the hell it is. The yeah. David Geffen drama. I kind of don't want to call it the David Giffen anything. <laughs> Whatever. He paid a lot of money to have that name on it. So fuck him. <laughs> but yeah, she's kind of given the the Paul the business here. Like, you know, like you need to do something for him for for Christmas or something like that. I mean, the the nice lady kind of says the same thing to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I can't remember exactly what Mary says here, but she ends with, don't fuck it up for the little asshole. <laughs> poetic but i mean you know yeah don't everyone deserves to you know even even shitheads deserve a nice christmas sometimes yeah i don't even think he's that much of a shithead you know he's yeah he he yeah you're right i don't know he rubs me the wrong way throughout the entire movie but i think that's purposeful right he's meant to rub you the wrong way because he's making poor choices but like Mm -hmm. you know his mom is making poor choices so sure I was thinking, it's really, so he explains why he stinks also in that car ride, which I forgot mm-hmm. to mention. It's just really sad that he's stinky and there's just nothing he can do about it. Yeah, there's there's nothing he can do about it. He has, like, several problems that, like, I know would Poor really guy. affect one's self-esteem and everything. And, like, I mean, that problem and the lazy eye and just, like, kind of not having a way with people sometimes, it's, I can see why he doesn't he's more interested in his antiquities than, you know, right. going out and finding someone to date or something like that, you know? Yeah. So they end up going to this party. Oh, that's the what she said, don't fuck it up for him. The little uh, oh, right, yeah. We go to the party. Oh, yeah, he, he doesn't want to go, and then Mary's like, I'll take him, you know? Right, like, you don't have to take him, I'll take him. Yeah, and then once he says no, it's like, well, you're just refusing to let him go just on principle, which is dickheaded, so... Right, exactly. So, you know, and he realizes it, you know, she basically was like, don't let the fact that you're afraid to be around people affect mm-hmm. him. We go end up going to this house and she's like, here's this person, here's this person. And then there's this, this kid in his underwear. <laughs> and I and I was just like, I really, I all I could think was you. Because <laughs> I literally thought, put the pants on that kid. <laughs> <laughs> We're in public, kid. Get used to the shame of your body now. It'll make it easier later. I just was like, this is exactly what Zach rails against with mm-hmm. kids. It is. And uh, I don't know, this party looks nice, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it looks fine. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> looks big, fine. I'm not big on parties. I, I like parties that are about six people. Anything beyond that? No, thank you. Yeah, if it gets more than six to ten is okay. Once it gets higher than that, I'm like, get me the fuck out of here. I like the more the better. Once you get over a certain amount, like say six or fewer, I don't really care for it so much. Because there's a lot of pressure to talk. like, And if you don't get along with four of the six people that well, it just ends up being very awkward. But you get over that, and you don't need to talk. You just fade into the background, and nobody notices you. And it's like you're not even there. So I like that. Well, then why go? Um, so you get to be uh, alone around people. I like being alone amidst activity. 
because it means you know, like that's fun. interesting to me because for me when i'm in a big group like that i just find myself to i just find it overwhelming mm -hmm. and um and noisy yeah and, I, and I just i just don't want to be a fucking part of it whereas when, when it's a more intimate group i feel more social like i'm i feel like i can talk to somebody and i can talk to people and even if i don't like them it's still i can have a conversation it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's a cacophony of other things happening that's uh that's fair and i get that um it's funny because i'm just i feel so much more pressure when there's few people because i'm like i have to talk and be entertaining and people have to like me because they're gonna look right at me and be like i don't i do or don't like this guy it's just so much less pressure when there's a lot of people you know i can just i can be funny or not or i can be enjoyable or not and people won't even notice half the time so that's you good that's fascinating because i think this is where like my self-confidence is like a really just a ridiculous thing for me mm -hmm. because i just just you know like i didn't even it, that didn't even enter my mind of whether or not people would find me interesting or like me because i'm just like well who the fuck wouldn't mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do have you seen me <laughs> and that's, that's it's really much not how i feel attitude. It's it's really a ridiculous attitude. Yeah, and it, I, like I was gonna say, it's it's even better the more people there are. Once you get up to like fifty plus people, I'm like, hey, doesn't matter at all. I I I my my mistakes mean nothing amidst all of this, <laughs> um, which is good because I worry about my mistakes a lot more than I I would rather not make a mistake than um, be successful and potentially make a mistake. You know what I mean? Like I don't want I don't care if I'm liked. I just don't want to be disliked. I sense. don't care if I'm liked either. I, that's actually more of what it is. It's not about like the fact that I think, oh, I'm just a likable guy or anything like that. It's more that I don't give a shit mm. if people like me or not. I mean, I do to a certain like there are people that I would care if they liked me or not. Mm -hmm. But in a general sense, like I don't walk around going, geez, you know, like I hope they like me. Like if I go to a party where there's six people and there's and like all six i don't know basically mm -hmm. like i know one person i won't give a shit if i ever see them the other ones again or if they like me or not but i won't feel uncomfortable because it's a more intimate setting hmm. join join john for an intimate gathering <laughs> this christmas join, join zach for a, a <laughs> giant <laughs> party where you will never see him <laughs> where's zach i don't care there's so many fun people here that's the music that we play at my parties He's just gonna watch you. Um, <laughs> that makes it sound like I'm like behind a wall and there's like a people and I'm there going, here, everybody in my party. Well, so at least the niece is definitely looking at Angus here. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, part. <laughs> it, it actually, it actually did a really good job here because I was like, oh, geez, young kids, yeah. <laughs> like. There was a time in my life where I would have thought something different, but like now I'm just like ah, to be young again. I know, I know. That's enough. Out of you. And I think that's what Paul does too. Actually, to an extent, he's like, eh, this is kind of cute, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. But I don't care that much. <laughs> well, I like you know every child is an artist. The trouble is staying that way when you're an adult. Yeah, delightful thing to say, actually. A good quote. And what did she say? He said it. I can't remember now. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't think it was Van Gogh. I think it was Picasso. I think she said Picasso. Picasso. Yes, and she and he says, "Oh, I love Picasso. I saw Guernica." At, uh, and she was like, "Oh, wow, you did." Mm -hmm. So now we're going to cut over to Mary, who's at the, uh, you know, the record player. Mm -hmm. She goes, "They put me in charge of the music to the to the editor," mm -hmm. and he's like, "Who did?" 
And she goes, she's like, I did. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she's just sitting there enjoying what we find out. I mean, it goes from like, oh, how silly. She's drinking and, and listening. I'm the DJ. That's cute. And then we find out what she's actually doing. And it's incredibly sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. But we before that happens, we cut back to, uh, to Angus here, to Tully. And she, she's like, are you trying to look down my shirt? And he's like, no. Yes. <laughs> I could deny it, but I'm not going because he's yeah. like kind of obviously doing it. But then again, yeah. she, yeah, well, you know, whatever. Well, she's not. I mean, she's just wearing a shirt. Mm-hmm. But then later, she's like, "I'll lean forward for you." Yeah, certainly after that, she did a little bit more leaning forward than she had been. It was uh, felt a little bad for Tully at later when they have to leave. I know because he was going to get some. Um, <laughs> at the very least, they were going to they're going to enjoy one another's company. And now we cut back over to Paul, and the cookie lady gives him a kiss on the cheek. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that is a lot, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a boyfriend. I, I, although I will say at this point, when that happened, I was like, she's got a boyfriend. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what it was. I just I just knew, like, oh, this is going to end up making him feel bad. She's like, you're under mistletoe. mistletoe. And he mm-hmm. does this, yeah. This guy brought it down to hell with him. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, I believe it. it no, it wasn't Orpheus. It wasn't Orpheus. I don't remember who it was, but yeah. I was just like, nice story about the mistletoe. She's just like, oh, okay. Brought it to hell when he went to find his father. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then we we get another like really nice conversation. It sort of reminded me of Sideways with Maya and Miles, actually. Mm-hmm conversation because he's talking about trust is just a name on a bank now which i like mm-hmm. that line yeah i don't think it's the first time anybody's ever said it but i still liked it mm-hmm. and then and then she goes well if that's all true then they need you yeah they need you really even nice more. Yeah. yeah yeah who cares it's the world's going to pot so i don't need to teach and she's like well that's why you do need to teach like yeah and they kind of actually made him think and it's 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 good. You mentioned before Paul Giamatti's reaction acting, which was partly because of funny faces and everything. But here's here's an example of yeah, like he's making, great. Yeah, he, he. It's like, huh, that did make me think. I'm not necessarily going to say anything about it, but you're still going to get the sense that my character is thinking about it from the fact that I'm just you know reacting like a human being would to something they find thoughtful. Can I just say that? And I'm not saying that he need, he has to win or anything, mm-hmm. but Paul Giamatti better be nominated for Best Actor for this role. It, it feels like he should at least be nominated. Yeah, and I uh, don't know if he's better than Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer. Yeah, or uh, or Leo as fucking numb nuts. Um, um, <laughs> I can't remember his full name either, but yeah, numb nuts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like Earl or something. You know, it's not Earl, but it feels like it's Earl. Um, Ah, I'm Earl. Exactly. Exactly. Earl Numbnuts. And then, um, you know, now we cut back again. She's listening to the music, and and we're seeing it's Mary. She's listening to music, and and we're seeing how sad it really is. Mm -hmm. And you can see that the janitor is very concerned about her. Mm Mm-hmm. And these white guys come in. Hey, can you like put something you know livelier on? Basically, she's like, "Get the fuck out!" <laughs> no, I cannot. And also, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and I love that the guy's just like, oh, "Okay, alrighty," because it's basically this woman's friends and family, so they don't even know this woman. Yeah, you know, and they're just like, "Okay, I don't know who you are." 
but you're yelling at me, so that's fun. Yeah, yelling at me makes me not want to be in this room. Um, <laughs> Goodbye, then. But uh, but it's very heartbreaking. It is. Um, and then I, you know, I was like, oh, and here's her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I just, I knew like this moment was going to be a boyfriend thing. And I just, I felt like that was very, just like an obvious thing that was going to happen. And I was mm -hmm. like, this, like, didn't even need to happen, you know? But um, I, you know, I felt bad for him. So I guess you get that. This is when Tully's going to run and be like, I need you. I need you, you know? Mm -hmm. And he goes there. She's in, Mary's in the kitchen and she's having a breakdown. It's just mm -hmm. really sad. I can't imagine the pain of losing your child. It just sounds awful. Yeah. I, people say, you know, a parent should never outlive their child, and it's just absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, there's like very, I, I kind of have a hard time thinking of anything that would be more painful in a lot of ways. And I, you know, like being on fire would be more painful, but you know. <laughs> well, physically painful, yeah, but yeah. emotionally like painful. I don't, I, I don't know how it, I could just, I would think it's a very hard thing to move on from. Exactly. It's, I got nothing. I can't think well, of it, you know, like, and I don't know. That's enough. I think everybody understands. Yeah. But even mid grief, she's still very like, I like, so, cause we go outside and Tully's annoyed cause he wants to stay. And, uh, and then he, you know, Paul's really aggravated cause he doesn't want to stay. He's feeling embarrassed, you know, cause she's got a boyfriend mm -hmm. embarrassed with himself for giving into the idea that she would actually like him type thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, so he wants out and you know, and Tully's kind of annoyed and, and he's just, and he gives this like speech basically about how, like, trust me, I wanted to get you off my hands. Like your parents didn't want you. So, so, so I, I just actually rewatched the trailer um, a couple of seconds ago. Um, so when you hear that on the recording, that's what that is. <laughs> um, because mostly I wanted to see Paul Giamatti's face because they pause on it. I remembered in the trailer after yeah, the shoulder dislocation. But um, oh really? Yeah, they 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 mentioned this entire speech in it. I had forgotten how fun it is and how great his delivery of it is. Is trust me, I was praying your parents would pick up or your father would come get you in a helicopter or a flying saucer. <laughs> and I was like, this is a hilarious and well delivered speech. And then that's exactly when Tully says, "My father's dead." Tully's like, oh. Not Tully, uh, um, Paul is like, oh. And then and then after he gets in the car, Mary's like, "The fuck is wrong with you?" Yeah. <laughs> You don't tell a kid who's been abandoned on Christmas yeah. that you don't want him to have anything to do with him. Yeah, you can't wait to be rid of him. I liked that she said that to him. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great line, line delivery by I can't, I'm sorry, I cannot remember the actress who plays Mary's name. It's like Divine, I think. Yeah. Um. She, she. You know, she's continually doing a great job too. Yeah, she's really good in it. I. I but I. You know, she's in like a lot of grief, but she still ha has like the awareness to be like, you can't fucking say this to a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, this kid's pain is legitimate. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So now we get this fun pan out from the school, by the way, because mm -hmm. Paul is like out on the front steps because he's he's gonna. I think what this he's gonna go get a Christmas tree now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They pan out. He's just like, I don't know. I just thought it was, it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, Wes Anderson. It ah, felt actually like very Wes Anderson to me. A good bit of this movie is actually kind of Wes Anderson like. And uh, maybe some maybe some people would say Wes Anderson is kind of Alexander Payne like. But either way, it has a, a similar, I, I absolutely get where you're coming from there. Also, the, uh, the musical cues in the soundtrack are also kind of. Similar yeah, they do have a really similar style, don't they? Mm -hmm. It just—it's just that Wes Anderson likes to kind of gussy it up with 
color. Um, and yeah, Alexander I, likes to have it more down to earth, grounded in realism. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't want to like insult Wes Anderson because I like so many of his movies, but um, I kind of like the way that this is more grounded. It's less quirky. There's less like everybody's some silly caricature of something or other. Everyone in this movie is very real, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Even even uh, Hunnam, who's like, you know, has these unique sayings he says, and he kind of like has soliloquies practically that he bursts into. Um, it's still believable. Right. I, I agree with you. He's, uh, I mean, but that was true of Sideways, too. Yeah, absolutely. Where now, I can't remember what they're like in a car. I think they're in the car again, or maybe they're at breakfast. Oh, yeah. I think they're, they're eating breakfast or something. The tree is there, which mm -hmm. that was just hilarious. The whole tree mm -hmm. thing. You know? Yeah. Um, it's such a dilapidated looking tree. It's like a Charlie Brown tree. <laughs> it really is. It's like hanging to one side. He didn't buy ornaments or a star or lights or anything. He's just, hey, a tree. And, and they're like, yes, technically that is a tree. You're correct. <laughs> you did it. Thanks, yep. Paul. Well done. Um, that's but, a good, uh, that, I'm sorry, but that's a good metaphor for Paul's character in general. He, he understands the bones of what a human interaction is supposed to be like, but he didn't somehow grasp the overall essence of what actually needs to be there to be delightful. Wow. Well done. Yeah, well, just came to me the second. So <laughs> if, it sounded, like it. if it sounded made up, that's why. But but the, where they're talking and it's like uh, they're talking about something. I can't remember what it was, but he's like, "Best part is not one mention of God." Mm -hmm. And Mary's oh, like, oh. "I'll tell you exactly what it is. He's got presents for both of them, and it's oh right, it's Marcus the Aurelius meditations, yeah." And Which, uh, that's that's what he says, and like, he knows Mary's religious, right? I know, <laughs> but he says, "Oh, here's meditations," and. Uh, Best part is no. It's it's like the Bible, the 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 Quran, the, everything all together. And best part, no mention of God. And then he gives the exact same present to Mary. She's like, you I just know. give everybody this. Yeah. <laughs> Which we find out he definitely does. He, yeah, later. he's got a whole box of the exact same edition. <laughs> yeah. I I will say though, before I, I want to just touch on this little this little acting thing that mm -hmm. Divine did here. Um. I don't know if she was directed to do this or not. I, I kind of believe that it was her choice to do it, but it was like really good. So before she knows what the present is, he hands her the present and she just like smiles just like a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, this is nice. I'm going to, mm -hmm. and I was like, man, what a like subtle and cool way to do that. Anyway, mm -hmm. I just really liked that. I wanted to mention it. Divine, nicely done. Um, like, Thank you. Person. I don't know. Yeah. Or care about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So now he's going to be like, you got, oh, I, you got mail also. And I'm like, how did the mail come on Christmas Day? <laughs> it's Christmas Day. It's snowy, whatever. Maybe it came <laughs> days ago and nobody cared. But then, uh, you know, he says, like, if I can make your Christmas any better, I think this is the part where he says this, you know, just let me know. And <laughs> Tully says something about the tree. And then mm -hmm. Paul goes, I thought you liked it. Or you said you liked it. <laughs> it was like so sad. He was like, well, we do. We like it. It's just, you know, yeah. it's not everything. <laughs> it's a little Charlie Brown tree. And we found kind of ornaments, I think. I don't know. I yeah. can't remember at this point. But yeah, so Tully is basically like, I want to go to Boston. That's what mm -hmm. I want to do. And so he's like, oh, it's a field trip. So, okay, fine. Um, 
and it, and then they all ride along because she wants to go to Roxbury to see her sister. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of touching. They're all getting along, you know. They're yeah. just. And it, I like this touch also that that Alexander Payne did, where he just plays music, mm-hmm. and they're not. You can't hear what they're saying. You just see them getting along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually that. Um, is more effective in some ways in this particular instance. Not like yeah. in general. You you want dialogue that makes you feel like the characters are actually connecting, which he very much has, like, for instance, when they're watching TV and stuff. But this is very effective here that we're just almost even a montage of, and and they got along for this car ride. Well, see, this is this is like a difference in, in style, but mm-hmm. I'm going to use Quentin Tarantino as an example, right? So we got mm-hmm. Quentin and Alexander Payne. Both are really good with dialogue, mm-hmm. right? Now, Quentin would put in there a made-up conversation that would drive nothing towards the plot. It would just show them getting along, mm-hmm. right? Like, that would be his style. And Whereas it, would be, Alex, it, it would almost certainly be a fun conversation and, like, a weird right. conversation. But. Right, but, you know, then his movie would be 20 minutes longer yeah. than Alexander Payne's. True. And I'm not saying that one's better than the other, but my point in saying that is just that sometimes, you know, it... It does make sense. Like it, sometimes, if you're if you're just looking to move the story and move the plot along, you don't need to have that superfluous conversation mm-hmm. that doesn't do anything other than build more character. You know, character building is great, but sometimes you know, you're, you're yeah. Right. We've already handled this though in this movie, and again, I don't even like if I was watching a Quentin Tarantino movie and this was happening, I don't even know that I would notice it in the moment. Like, we don't need this conversation. I'd probably just be enjoying the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you wouldn't be thinking this would have been better if it was music. Right, exactly. So, anyway. Speaking of which, I went and just looked up the Holdover's original motion picture soundtrack. This this song is called Drive to Boston by the guy who wrote the the whole thing, Mark Orton. Um, it's a very delightful song, and I love that it's called Drive to Boston, because it's exactly what we're talking about. Also, go look up the cover to the Holdover's original soundtrack. If It's hilarious. You'll love it. So, we we get to Roxbury, and, and um, he, Mary says something about kind of being reticent to going there, mm-hmm. and like, like, that's a lot of stairs. Um, well, Paul says, that's a lot of stairs, and Mary's like, yeah. And so, he, I think he says, you can come to Boston with us if you want, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I need a break from you two and all your bickering. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, she's like, you need to help me with my bags and help her up the stairs and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And something happened that I was not expecting. What's I did that? not think we were going to stay with Mary. Oh, yeah. Same. But we get quite a bit with Mary, actually. Yeah. I was sort of surprised. Were you? I was just like. I was oh, pleasantly surprised, but um, yeah, kind of I liked that we stayed with her. I just was not expecting it. Mm-hmm. She kind of becomes a full-fledged member of the cast here. She's not just in their lives insofar as that she's around them. She's she gets her own stuff. Some beautiful moments about the loss of her child and her connecting, uh, is continuing to connect with her sister. Yeah, very nice. It's really sad that she's you know she's giving her son's baby stuff to her sister. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's all very touching. But when uh, when Mary hugs her sister. I got me teared up. Oh, and then it was it was just really nice seeing her like hanging with her sister afterward, you know, sitting uh-huh. on the bed chatting and I like, I like that the sister's husband is like, "Oh my god, these two." <laughs> yeah, he walks by and he's just like, oh. <laughs> um another another moment where we didn't get any dialogue between them, but we didn't really need it. We understand. Right. We get it. Her and her sister are 
or, or enjoying each other's company. And then, and how much it was needed for Mary. Oh, absolutely. No, that's what we're getting to. Um, so now we're going to go back to uh, to Tully and Paul, who are in Boston now, and they're looking at a, like books that are sitting outside. And a prostitute's going to come up because oh yeah, of course that happens, and aggressively <laughs> pursue Paul. I, yeah, I, I always you know whenever yeah. I'm a, I'm working the street, I like to go to outdoor book markets <laughs> and uh, harass people who like look like Paul Giamatti. Yeah, it was very weird to me. Like I just can't. I mean, I just can't imagine a prostitute being like she's a good saleswoman. I guess I don't yeah. know. I, don't take, don't no, take for no for an answer. Uh, that's jinx. Mm -hmm. Um, then, uh, then he, you know, like Tully's like, I'll give you some time. It's fine. You know? <laughs> yeah. You can have a date. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause at first I was like, is, is Paul not getting it? Cause she says, can I borrow a cigarette? He says, I smoke a pipe. <laughs> I, think, I think he did get it. It's just, you know, yeah. He was just trying to be like, just leave me alone. Yeah. Um, but and then he says, "Sex is ninety nine percent friction and one percent goodwill." <laughs> <laughs> Another Paul Hunnam quote. He should, you know what? He shouldn't abandon the monograph. Just write a book of your own little quotes, Paul. Yeah, it's cute. It's pretty good. Um, and then uh, Tully thinks he's never. You've never even had sex, have you? And I, I know. I love this. Next Curl your nose. Curl your nose. But then he takes him to you know an antiquity museum. And he's like, there's nothing new in human experience. Like when he shows him the, the pornographic piece and um, yeah. history is an explanation of the present. I was really enjoying because, mm -hmm. you know, I love history. So like having mm -hmm. this connect for another character was kind of awesome, especially it was like, you know, you should talk like this in class, you know, talking yeah. like this and some pornography. <laughs> um, and I loved him expounding upon, you know, there's nothing new in human experience. Right. Exactly. Somebody has done this before. I mean, including grief, extent. but yeah, to a certain extent. But because you know, Oppenheim up until Oppenheimer, nobody had ever done the bomb before. All right, that's like the one. Okay, I'll give it to you. Until Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, nobody had okay. done that before. The two. Those are the two. That's it. <laughs> and then, of course, Tully's like, you know, all the students and teachers hate you. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that's kind of sad. Yeah, he's being pretty forthcoming with Paul, if nothing else. Yeah. You smell and everybody hates you. Yeah. So now he's going to take Tully ice skating. Mm -hmm. And again, we get a song mm -hmm. with no dialogue or anything. And I'm like, God damn, this is great. Very nice. Wasn't it great? It was. It's a perfect moment for a song. Also to Henry Coaster, was it? Mark directed. Orton? Oh, Henry Coaster, who directed Bishop's Wife? Bishop's Wife, yeah. Uh -huh. This is how long the skating scene should be. <laughs> Not quite as long as you had it. We didn't really need Sylvester stumbling around quite so much. Right. Um, this was nice and concise. I liked it. Now they're going to, you know, as they're leaving, they're going to run into an old Harvard classmate. Her chum, yeah. Yeah, and then I, I was like, I mean, he explains it later, but I was like, why didn't he want to say Barton? I don't really understand. Yeah, I thought teaching at Barton seems perfectly respectable. But then, of course, Tully's going to help him out. Yeah, you know? <laughs> with another lie. Yeah, <laughs> he's not interested, Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it ends up being like kind of fun, and and I and I love that once they get away and they're in this little convenience store, the mm -hmm. first thing that Tully says is, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> yeah, 
Because <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking, and I loved it. I loved that. Well, uh, you know, his entire explanation of where he's teaching, oh, mostly abroad, uh, fellowships, lots of fellowships, mostly fellowships. It's like, okay, yeah, you think I'm anybody's believing this? Right now. It's like clearly not the truth, but okay. And and then Paul has to go into the store to buy a thing, a big Jim Beam, of course. Then finding out what it actually was is, again, just like, oh, wow. <laughs> just I know. that's Sad thing after sad up. thing for these characters. It always starts off as a funny thing, and then we find out it's sad. Well, it's also like it it goes to show this same thing that we've been talking about, the same sort of theme throughout this movie of, uh, you know, the entitlement of wealth. Yeah. Because it's, it's a fucked up story. With the, uh, yeah, the roommate who kind of got to have his version of the truth be the, the actual truth just because of who his parents are. Right. Exactly. Dictating well, the terms of reality. I will say, though, he said he didn't get kicked out for that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he got kicked out for punching him. No, not for punching him. He hit him with a car. Oh, you're absolutely right. He hit him with a car. Yeah, and then he said, but he shat himself, which was the greater indignity. <laughs> so it's, ancient I guess, cameras. Where the hell did you come up with that? Yeah, I like that. I was actually starting to get worried. I was like, I feel like he's entrusting Tully with too much information. Yeah, possibly, but that's. Doesn't quite go in that direction. Similar direction, but not quite. I was curious what you thought of this next scene where they're back at the hotel and he's got a prescription for, I think, Librium or something. Yeah, I actually didn't recognize it. And he was like, oh, for depression? And the kid's like, no, it's for, you know, whatever, something else. Yeah. And and then Paul takes out his prescription. Yep. <laughs> the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. It was... uh. It was funny. I wonder if it was a commonly prescribed thing, because I don't really know how much antidepressants were described prescribed back then. Described. People described them all the time. They're round and they're small, and it's this one's yellow. Nineteen seventy it was not very common, but what do I know? Yeah, same. So now they're gonna go to a weird bowling that's not bowling. Yeah. Which I know is a New England thing. I do know that there's like a different, it's not like 10 pin or something. It's, but it's 9-pin bowling, yeah. 9-pin? Okay. I don't know exactly what that means, but the balls are small. They don't have holes in them for your fingers, and I guess there's only 9 pins. So now we get Paul seeming to drink too much once mm-hmm. again, and Tully seems to be irresistible to women again. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> everywhere um, I go, he's like, hey, lady. <laughs> But Paul's over here at the bar with Santa and the bartender, and the bartender's like, oh, these fucking 10-pin people showing up here. This ain't fucking 10-pin. He's like really angry at 10-pin people. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, man. Seems to be superseding 9-pin in popularity, even there. Yeah. Um, And then Paul's going to do this (laughs) monologue. I don't even remember what it was about. But, oh, about the Santa suit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and they both just stare at him. <laughs> They're like, okay. They're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes, yeah, so you go up to the drunk Santa at the bowling alley and tell him all about the actual St. Nicholas, who is from Turkey. And then uh, and then Tully runs away. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, oh, Tully, why'd you run away? Like, you didn't need to. Mm-hmm. You know, you've developed enough of a bond with Paul here that you you can probably just ask him to do whatever you need to do, yep. which is, is the case. And Paul says that. And mm-hmm. it felt very teenager adult um, relationship at this point. Mm-hmm. To me. 
where it was like you're still doing stupid shit because yep. your brain is not quite there yet and the adult is like of course i would do that why wouldn't yeah. you just ask you know i could feel paul's frustration in that moment like yeah i thought we were getting past this yeah exactly but it seems very accurate of teenagers to withhold yeah you know um and now we're going to find out that his dad is not dead that i'm he's a paranoid schizophrenic which mm -hmm. i was thinking that's probably what it was in this moment um, up here. And uh, it's really sad. It's kind of heartbreaking. It is. And then we There's get a really done for that kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's it really isn't. I know he's not going to get better. That's that. And um, then we get a really sad conversation between Tully and Paul. Um, but it's kind of nice, you know, because Paul's like, you're not your father. Mm hmm. It's a very nice thing to say to him in that moment. Um, heartbreaking, but still mm -hmm. nice. And then entre nous, because we've said that several times in here. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, they're meeting up with Mary again. They're picking her up on the way back, and they're in a restaurant, I guess. And mm -hmm. he's like, okay, stand up. Until he's like, what? He's like, stand up for the lady, you bore. <laughs> Not something we do anymore. And apparently it was just going out of fashion then, it would seem. But um, I never understood what people, why people did that in old movies if I watched them when I was a kid. I was like, nobody does that. What is that? Yeah, I, don't, I, I actually didn't catch where this restaurant was, by the way. I assume it's in, like, Roxbury. Yeah. But I have no idea. But, yeah, so they're going to have, they want to have Cherry's Jubilee. And this waitress is like, no, it has brandy in it. Mm -hmm. Like. What about the bananas foster that? Is that the same thing? They're like, yeah. And then she's like, I love that Paul's just like, what the fuck? What kind of fascist like yeah. establishment are you running here? Let the kid have a fucking thing, you know? Yeah. And and because she's like, doesn't the alcohol just burn off? Because mm -hmm. she's right, the alcohol would just burn off. It's a weird, like it, it's a weird I don't think that they actually wouldn't have let him do that. But anyway, then we get the cherries jubilee. Yeah, their their own version of it. Yeah, and the the conversation and aftermath is hilarious. It was just great. It was excellent. But I don't know if you saw this. Like, um, they they get back or something. I don't know. He oh for New Year's, he like Paul shakes Mary's hand. He shakes the uh, the janitor's hand, mm -hmm. and then um, he just leaves Tully hanging. <laughs> I did, and I don't I know. Think I noticed that actually. So I here's the thing that I think is funny about it. It feels so real in the sense that I feel like he Tully, the guy playing him, Dominic, mm -hmm. reached out to shake his hand, and just it just never happened. And it <laughs> yeah. like wasn't on purpose. And they just yeah. were like, "That's fun. I'm going to leave that in." <laughs> That's a nice little note that we didn't mean to have, but there it is. <laughs> and I like that Paul ended up setting off the firework anyway. That was fun. Yeah, it absolutely was. And I wrote, the next thing I wrote is, I have this feeling that Paul's going to get fired. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would prove to be prescient, it turns out. Yeah. Um, but we cut to Mary, who's like, why'd you put in all that paprika? It's too mm -hmm. much paprika. Why'd you do that? Now you're going to have to add three cups more water. Like, I was okay. Uh, you know what? I, I will admit that I, I, I sort of interpreted or felt this scene from the from the perspective of the other woman. I know. Because anytime like, okay, I screw I up, it. yeah, and people say, why did you do that? It's like, I don't know, because I fucking wanted to screw up. Why do you think I did it? Like, yeah, I didn't know. That's why. 
It's a why weird question to ask somebody, you know, like, why'd you do that? I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought I was following the recipe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm an idiot. That's why. The fuck do you think? Anyway. That's just, that's uh, just me. I actually thought the same thing. I was like, I think this is like nastier than it needs to be to this lady, but okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's in class and Koontz is back and he's sunburned, right? Mm -hmm. Like ridiculously. <laughs> yeah. And I love that Paul's like, oh, Icarus, huh? And then Koontz is like, huh? Another cute little note. Um, football uh, rich kid guy. Yeah. We see him getting out of the shower and his hair is quite short. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, That's really it could, he looks kind of different with that with it that short. It's like military short. Um, but we do get that little moment of well, he, his dad let him go skiing, and he seems to have cut his hair. So, <laughs> and and then I'm like, I'm still just like, he's gonna get in trouble for taking him to see his dad. Mm -hmm. And then you know, of course, Tully's all worried. Oh, I'm gonna get kicked out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't think he's gonna get kicked out here. Also, Stanley, the husband, the mm -hmm. stepfather. Fucking asshole. That dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, he was already a dickhead. And then they made him even more of one. So that's yeah. nice. He is awful. And then I'll be honest with you, I was shocked to see. I like, I understand that this makes sense story wise, mm -hmm. but I still was surprised to see Paul cover for Tully. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of figured it was, I kind of figured it was coming, but like at the same time, I'm surprised he lied. Right. That it was his that's idea. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's why I was. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would think he could explain it with just it's not that weird, you know. Right. Like, you know, a kid should be able to see his father, and I didn't think that it would be such a big fucking deal. That's yeah. what I would. That's what I would have said. And kind of he kind of gets there because he's because they're like, oh well, do you realize? And he says, I don't give a shit, you know. Yeah. I don't care I love, about your fucking issues. I know. I I'm love trying the, to be nice to a kid. Yeah, he's like a kid should get to see his father on Christmas. Yeah, and uh, well, it was I, after Christmas, but that's not the point. And then he's like, "You were unreachable." Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's got a point without without claiming that it was entirely his idea, but he's just trying to keep. He's Tully has already said what a big deal it would be if he got kicked out of the school too. So, and then Mister, you know, Mister Woodruff, there is he's going to be like, oh, "Well, you did this to yourself, Paul." Mm -hmm. uh, I can tell you, you are penis cancer in human form. Penis cancer in human form was the weirdest way to phrase that, but okay. It fits 100% with everything we know about Paul so far. So. Yep. He's really been put upon. I feel so bad for Paul. He hand, you know, he's handling it really well for everything that's gone happened to him. I know. First Harvard, now this. Yeah, and then like, they, he could Mary be, gives him a nice gift. She does, and... um well, good, good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was just, it's it's actually kind of impressive that he's as, as put together as he is, by which I mean, he's obviously got some social issues, blah, blah, blah. But like, he has a job. He's like seemingly somewhat happy with himself, like yeah. with his life. Um, He could just be in complete fucking wreck, given everything right. that's happened to him. But I don't know. I also liked, you know, so after, you know, uh, Mary gives her, gives him the present, She's like, he's like, well, you know, what are you going to do? And she's like, I'm going to work here. I'm not like you. I like having a job. I like having a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he asks about the sister and she's like, oh, all I know is if it's a boy, his middle name is going to be Curtis, which is mm -hmm. really touching. And then Tully kind of goes and talks to, to Paul here and he says, you keep your head up. You can do this. Mm -hmm. He's like, I was going to say the same to you. I thought it was a really nice moment. Anyway, with between Tully and him, and then uh, and then I didn't really understand the spitting part, but I guess yeah. it's metaphorical. I don't know. 
Um, I, I wash my mouth of you. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you this? Did you find the ending sad or hopeful? Both. Yeah, same. I found it. I found it hopeful. But I guess Paul Giamatti thought it was just kind of a sad ending, and mm -hmm. he said he's had a lot of people come up to him and be like, "Oh, it was a really happy, like hopeful, happy ending." And he was like, mm -hmm. "Oh, really? Well, it's nice that you felt that way." I was kind of concerned for that character. Well, uh, uh, it's kind of funny if he played it um, to be sad, and it came off somewhat hopeful. Um, it, it's just, it's just it's funny because there can be positivity in new beginnings and. Right. endings of things even if it seems bad at the time so you know it was kind of lovely in a lot of ways um i i i, I did i i don't understand how he stole that brandy it seems like I, the guy would took, notice. He took that well right but i mean it doesn't really how could he prove it was him you know that's true that's true all right well so that's the whole movie and now we're gonna move on to the rank a rank So the rank is where we rank the movie based on 10 categories, story, acting, originality, film coherence, cinematography, score slash soundtrack, script structure and dialogue, character relatability, production value, and timelessness. We rank it on a scale of one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best. And the first category is story and Zach, you get to start. So what do you have? Nine and a half. All right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, I gave it an 8.85. I really no, like I this. Okay, go ahead. I, I actually, that wasn't all I was going to say. Oh, okay. I'm eating pretzels, and one went right down my throat while I said that. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's okay. No, um, some people, I suppose, might think the story is a bit slight, but um, I thought it worked absolutely perfectly as a way of getting to know these characters. You know what I mean? It doesn't need all that much more plot. I'm glad they didn't try to stuff some other kind of plot that was you know, going into it. It's just uh, yeah. a lot of the actual characters in their lives. Um, I feel like it would have been tempting to be like, oh, and also some sort of big thing happens at the school that they have to deal with. But no, that's, that would be, that would be a complete mistake. I like that Alexander Payne tends to just write stories in reality or not write, mm -hmm. but directs stories that are more based in reality in the sense that sometimes you don't need a big event or a big something mm -hmm. to, to move the plot. You just can move along. We can just enjoy learning about characters and people. So I like that, but yeah, I gave it an 8.85. Um, it starts off with a crotchety teacher and a prick student, yeah. both thinking that they won't have to stay over break, but then they both do anyway. And I enjoyed that it's just a getting to know the characters and the characters getting to know each other tale, mm -hmm. which is kind of what you just said. So also kind of fun that we have finally have another Christmas movie that's been nominated for Best Picture. I know. Um, <laughs> kind of weird that it's a Christmas movie. It came out not super close to Christmas, whatever, though. <laughs> Although, Although, I mean, is it a Christmas movie, though? I think it is, actually. Not I think it is, is too. It doesn't just take place at Christmas. It, it presents actually. itself as one. I mean, look at the cover of the soundtrack. Yeah, true. And also, I guess I don't know right now that it was nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> may, so. may as well assume it is. <laughs> Otherwise, why are we doing this? You know. So the next category is acting. And I gave that a nine and a half. Uh, <laughs> I coughed over your thing. <laughs> I gave it a nine and a half. Um, I mean, the acting is is pretty excellent. So I had one small gripe with Mary, and maybe this is stupid, but I felt like Mary's New England Boston accent seemed to come and go. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she was all that comfortable with the accent, and I sort of wish they had just told her not to do it. Okay. Um, 
but that, you know, that's minor. I think that the kids were surprisingly good, especially Tully, because that was a nobody that Payne just plucked out of the Massachusetts uh, school that, or <laughs> sorry, plucked out of the Massachusetts cold that actually yeah. went to the school yeah. that Barton was based off of. Um, I think there were times that you could tell that the kid was sort of a novice, but considering that he's never been in really anything, this was quite the first role. So, well, on that, that right? was he, was he in the, his first role? I thought he I, was. It said introducing him. So I assumed he was. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So anyway, I don't think you can introduce somebody if we already know them. But uh, <laughs> on that note, I gave it a 9.85 for that for several of the people is basically a 10 for me and i it's, it's, there's no way to say this and not come off like a jerk but um at, like you said i feel like it was obvious sometimes that this was dominic Sess's first role um yeah. which is it's not really that, not bad i mean it's, no it's 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 good i mean i liked it it's just that it wasn't i thought it was almost kind of more noticeable next to the great job that the other the other two leads did right so like in a lot of ways that's just tough like man imagine your first acting gig being that one um, but yeah, so it's just short of perfect for me for there, but you know, other than that, it's, I mean, I, it's kind of hard for me to have enough superlatives for these, uh, for these two. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. They, I think they both need to be nominated. Absolutely. So I hope they will be. Well, the next category is originality. What do you have for that? Um, this one, I gave a six, <laughs> I feel weird, but I mean, I feel like originality isn't even the point. He's, I feel like he's right. trying to evoke a lot of stories and feelings surrounding, like, it's it's winter at a New England school. But that's the exact feeling he's going for, because we all know that that sort of, mil that, that, that environment and feeling. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm assuming that he's not going, yes, everyone's going to go with the originality of the story. They're going to love it, but. Nonetheless, it's not super original. And, I mean, it reminded me of several other movies just right off the bat as far as, you know, older crotchety teacher type who fills in as a father figure for a younger guy. So, yeah, I gave originality a six and a half. So, okay. I'm right there <laughs> I, with you. I love when that happens. I'm worried. Oh, God, this is going to seem so low. He's going to go, what the fuck? But no, it's we're, we're usually right there. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um... There's some originality to this. Like I was surprised to learn, to learn that Tully's father was in a sanitarium, right? Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed the way they satirized wealth, um, but the story, while fun and enjoyable, isn't super original. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it was trying to be, like you were saying, uh, mm -hmm. which is totally fine. It doesn't detract from how great the film is, but I didn't feel like we were breaking in any new ground here. Yeah. So. so the next one is film coherence, and I gave that a nine point two five. Okay. I was sort of racking my brain to figure out how, like, if this wasn't perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that keeps coming to my mind is Mary. And I loved okay. Mary in this. And I guess it just felt like the movie was never sure if it wanted to tell her story or not. Yeah, I 100% I get that. She was an ancillary character, and I feel like they could have done more with her or less. And what we got just didn't feel quite right. We either they either did too much or they did too little. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I also thought the prostitute scene was kind of absurd. Other than that, though, <laughs> it was excellent. So what do you have? Um, uh, well, I gave it a nine. I was originally going to give it a ten, but um I was feeling like it shouldn't be a ten. And uh, your your explanation there kind of just put an a finger exactly on what I felt. 
I was like, fuck, I didn't have a word for it, but there we go. Great. So I put it all the way down to a nine, which seems unfair, but it is fair because no, um, I think that's fair. I'm I almost think mine's a little too high, but um because Mary's yeah. kind of a huge part of this movie for it to not feel right, but yeah. And I mean yeah. it would I I want I, I enjoyed everything I got with her. It's it's just exactly like it was just the slightest bit awkward as far as having her in there. Right. It was just felt like it just didn't feel right. It just wasn't yeah. Well, anyway, well, the next category is cinematography. What do you have for that? This one was tough for me. I gave it an eight. Um, I thought the cinematography was really, really good. At times, I felt like it was trying a little bit too hard at, to, to do what it was doing. The sparse, spare New England landscapes and all the snow, which was nice to look at. And whatever they did to get the film stock or whatever looking as though it's an actual movie from the 70s was very convincing. And eventually I forgot about it, actually. It became so, like, such a natural part of the story that I wasn't... Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, but nonetheless, that's just a little contrived for me. And I'm going to go with very good, but... Um, did, I don't know. Some of it didn't always 100% work for me, despite the fact that it usually worked about 90%. Well, I gave it a 9. Okay. And this is going to sound weird coming from me, but I really enjoyed the aesthetic, the way they yeah. made the <laughs> 70s movie. And way, to, way to complain to the one things. Marty's over there like, fuck this guy. He's not, yeah. he's not giving me a fair shake. Completely inconsistent. Oh, wow. um, I'm not sure what to say here, because I know that I have railed against it in other movies. But uh, for some reason, it just works in this one. No, There's I, a difference between something being bad inherently and something working in one place and not working in another. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and thank you. <laughs> I thought they framed things excellently and, and used the camera to provide more story and push it forward, mm -hmm. which I really liked. And and they were really they were a little heavy-handed with it mm -hmm. at times, like you said, like the pullback from the school, which was fun. So I'm not really complaining. Yeah. And with the glove in the river again, not complaining. Um, but you know, it did feel like look at what we're doing. You know. Well, oh, that 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 one about the glove in the river couldn't have been heavy-handed. It floated, so it couldn't have been that heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, anywho, um, I'll be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, the cinematography on this one. So, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's so funny because you give something like an eight or something, and you feel compelled to defend why you gave it so low. But that's really good. <laughs> that's a really good score. It was a delightful movie to look at, just not perfect. We need to watch another million dollar baby one or something. You know? Oh, I know. We've been enjoying a lot of these. <laughs> we need to. Um, I don't know. We'll get there some one of these years. Well, the next category is score slash soundtrack, and I gave that a nine and a half. Okay, okay. I really liked the soundtrack in this, and I and I feel like they did an excellent job of pulling in the soundtrack to provide story instead of using dialogue, which mm -hmm. is exactly what you'd want from this category. Mm -hmm. I thought it was I thought it was really well done. What about you? I gave it a ten. I thought you might. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Mark Orton, who I don't know anything about because I don't pay attention to film scorers, scorers, soundtrackers. Um, I don't pay attention to official scorers. Um, but uh, he did a great job with all of the the music he seems to have composed for it and all of the other touches that they had, some some uh, songs from like the era that you would recognize that work well. Um, and also some un some slightly unusual choices which I happen to like, it's it's so funny. This is like a bit of synchronicity that I always talk about. I I really only notice it because I know, because, you know, it's there to be noticed by, okay, that was dumb. <laughs> I, happen, I happen to have been getting a lot of these artists on 
playlists that I sort of just have the music service I use. I don't want to say its name in case, whatever. Um, it just suggests it to me. And I've been getting a lot of them recently, like Lobby Sifri, who is not someone I had ever heard of, but I've been getting a lot of suggestions from him recently and he happens to be on this soundtrack so i was like i feel like i recognize this guy's voice and then it was him and i've been listening to a lot of krungbin and they happen to be in this at the end and i know that song like because it's been coming up a lot recently <laughs> so it's like wow this is really neat how did this happen um but even outside of that they did they made great choices both that were kind of right on cue and obvious and uh, a lot of choices that were kind of out of left field but worked really well yeah well, the next category is script structure and dialogue, and what do you have for that? I gave that an eight and a half. Um, the structure is like a little slight at times, like I said, with the story. And like, like we said with film coherence, they could have worked it a little bit more fluidly. But the dialogue was fantastic, and I kind of want to give it higher just for the dialogue, but I'll stick there. I mean, I always say that I could just watch good actors saying good dialogue all day, and there doesn't even need to be anything else. But um, it was also true with this movie. It was just nice to sit there and watch them deliver their lines and and, and everything else. Yeah, I completely agree. So I actually gave it a nine and a half, but after listening to you talk about the structure, mm -hmm. I, I put it down to a nine because okay. you're right. The structure is slight. Um, I loved the dialogue, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My issue with the dialogue is that I think it, it fell into the trap that at time at times that a lot of these type of movies do in making the kids sound too smart and clever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It had like a Dawson's Creek thing going on to it. It's like right. kids don't actually talk like this. Yeah, they just, you know, it they're just they're not you're not that smart at 17. You know? Yeah. Um and you're not that clever and you're not that like poetic. Not, I'm not saying that that's true of everybody, and I will say that this movie did make me eventually made me believe that Tully was really capable of this. So in that in that sense, it worked. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, you know, more I'm going to go nine point two five. So so mine's a nine point two five. But um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, the dialogue's excellent. I just think that they were a little too clever with the kids. So the next category is character relatability, and I gave it a ten. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a character movie, right? So, which Alexander Payne seems to be excellent at. And he is once again here. So, mm -hmm. every character is fully realized and easy to empathize with. Simple as that. So, what do you have for character relatability? I gave it a 9.75, but um, I think I, I'm kind of tempted to go up to 10. Just you you kind of elucidated exactly what, what I feel. But... Um, like you said, with the dialogue and the kids being like a little bit too clever, I didn't totally empathize as much with the kids as I thought I sh as I, it might've just been my issue, but I felt a little distant from a lot of the kids. Mm. And this is a, a thing with um, structure and structure and uh, coherence as well that I didn't mention, but it's a little strange to me the way that they have all these kids being held over and then they're gone. Most of them are gone halfway through the movie. I I liked it. I liked it as a story beat, but it was just it was kind of awkward to me, the way that we're like we're getting to know these people, and I was interested in them. I was interested in guy with the rich father. I was interested when Tully kind of hit the nail on the head with the with Koontz and what his problems likely are, and like you know you're from a shitty home, so you have to act you have to act shitty to everybody else to make yourself feel better. 
and I like the Mormon kid. I, I, I love the moment with his mitten and the Korean kid um, missing his family. It was all wonderful stuff. And then they were gone. And I was like, oh, well, there they go. Um, so I just never, and I didn't connect with Tully as much as I wanted to. I don't know if that was the character, maybe a little bit the acting, and I'm not trying to be mean to him. I, I think it is a little bit the acting, but again, yes. it was really well done. I really, I don't yeah. want to shit on this kid because it yeah. really was great. But yeah, yeah exactly. So I just didn't quite connect with a lot of the kid characters. And I feel like in a movie about this school, you have to. Um, so for me, it was mostly Paul and Mary. And that uh, they did, I connected with them perfectly. But just the kids, it's not quite there. Well, the next category is production value. So what do you have for that? I gave that a nine. I wasn't really sure what to give it. They seemingly did great. I mean, you mentioned that they filmed on locations like at the school or whatever, and um, everything looked great and authentic. But then again, I'm not sure it would, it's too hard to make a school look like a school, but nonetheless, they did a good job. So, I mean, I kind of feel the exact same. I gave it a nine and a half, mm -hmm. um, because I mean, it, you're right, it's just basically just location, and they got lucky with a blizzard, too. Yeah, but, man, did they really use that location to their benefit? Yeah, you know? it's lovely. I thought it was really well done. I don't have much to say about it. I just thought they they used their location expertly. So, yeah, fair. you know, I think that's worth a product high production value score. So, now we'll go on to the hardest category, which is timelessness, and I gave that a 5.75. Oh, this is interesting. I really liked this movie, but I just doubt it will win best picture, and I don't think it'll make it as a Christmas classic. Mm -hmm. And I I really enjoyed the movie, but I'm just not sure It'll survive multiple generations, other than being a nominee for Best Picture. Um, yeah, my, I. It's hilarious you said that because my timeless score is a six. Feel <laughs> just the oh. same way. It was, it was extremely good. People look from the future, the distant future. They're going to look back and be like, "This was a good movie." But is it something you're going to necessarily think of, like all the time? Like, oh, this is just like that time in the holdovers, right? Um, which isn't a problem. Most movies are extremely good and not super timeless. Just. It will continue to be good. People will look back on it as though it's good. Is it necessarily super memorable? I'm not sure. Right. I'm. I, yeah. That's funny that we feel so similarly. Yeah. I was. I was convinced mine was going to be way lower than yours there. So. And it was higher. Yours was higher. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, let's look at where it ranked. It's yeah, uh, got a 172.7. So uh -huh. it was just below sideways. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> By 0.15, it's below sideways. That that makes sense to me, though. And then it's just above Finding Neverland. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. So it is in between the top two 2004 ones. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, that's the whole thing. That's the rank. Yeah. Um, it did pretty well. We, you know, at this point, we don't really know what's going to be best nominated for best picture. So. I think we're going to hold off on telling you the ranks for 2023 until we know what's actually been nominated. Hopefully we haven't ranked this one in vain, but thank you for listening. If you end up listening <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website with the, at the rank with John and Zach.com. Um, join us next week or tomorrow or whatever it ends up being for mm -hmm. the next 2023 best picture nominee. And um We'll find out which one actually should win that coveted Best Picture Oscar. So goodbye. And hold over till next time. And uh, also don't get hold over, held over. 